Hello and welcome to Into You, the podcast where I take a deep dive into getting to know the best you. My name is Adam Strawn and today I have with me one of the most talented people I have ever met in my entire life, literally voice goals. Like if I could sing like this guy, I'd be blessed. (laughs) He is a singer and songwriter based in New York, USA. His YouTube page has an incredible 92,000 subscribers and includes his amazing collection of covers of the likes of Lady Gaga, Demi Lovato, Billie Eilish, Linkin Park, Seal, Paramore, and many, many more, as well as some collaborations with his partner, Mr. Joey Dean, as well as some original songs and some blogs. He is also a videographer and photographer and runs his own digital creation company, Vixen Visions, creating phenomenal music videos and content for his own performances and for others. He is also also the Grand High Supreme Witch of the Corvix Coven on Patreon, which you must go and subscribe to immediately. I do, and I got this because I do. Um, and he co-hosts the Queerdos YouTube reaction channel with his partner, Mr. Joey Dean. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome to the podcast the vocal sorceress that is Corvix. How are you doing, buddy? <laughs> First of all, Adam, I'm going to need to put you in my pocket and bring you everywhere with me so you can introduce me to everyone just like that, because that, that's amazing. It's like Khaleesi <laughs> on Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> oh my God. It's like the scroll, you whip out a scroll and it just falls to the floor. That's amazing. Well, thank you. Um, that all sounds very impressive. But uh, firstly, I want to say thank you for having me on your podcast. Congrats on all the success with it. Um, and congrats on the success with your own YouTube channel. That's how we found each other. Yes. Um, I'm really, really excited to finally do this. We've been talking about it for a little while, so it's awesome to be here. I'm doing yeah. really well. I'm excited. Yeah, good. Thank you, Corvix. Yeah, like we've chatted about this backwards and forwards for a while. So yeah, it's nice to actually finally get it in the diary. So yeah, thank you for yes. giving me some of your yes, time sir. to do this. Appreciate it. Of course. So yeah, so you've had a little bit of time off recently, right? So you had a little trip away to Fort Lauderdale. So how was that? It was it was fun. Uh, <laughs> I finally put myself in the sun. I was on a beach, which doesn't happen very often. It's it's a very rare occasion. It's like seeing a mermaid in the flesh. Um, but it was fun. I went with Joey. Uh, mm-hmm. For those of you who don't know, Joey Dean is my partner, mm-hmm. uh, and we had a really good time. It was fun, but. Unfortunately, we got a little bit of a COVID scare because there was a spike mm. with the Delta variant. So we came back, we had to get tested and we were just a little nervous, but we got tested. Everything's good. Everything's negative. Hey, good. That's what we yeah. like. But yeah. So, yeah. I kind of reminds me of like Wednesday, Adam sitting on the beach. That's the image I'm getting, but I love that. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. It's like yeah. Helena Bonham Carter as uh, in Sweeney Todd. Yes. Be taught on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> what a reference. Yes. Love that. Yes. So, yeah. So, Corvix, you hit a little bit recently there how we met. So, I remember now, let's go back even before YouTube. So, it was lockdown 2020, and obviously people weren't doing a lot. So, I was doing a lot of binges. So, obviously, as you know, like reaction stuff. But then I came across a little video that popped up recommended that had um, the Messenger Linkin Park cover by an artist called Corvix. So I was like, hmm, really like that song. Who's this guy? So I pressed it and obviously listened. And it was alive as well, right? Like you and just an acoustic guitar. So I was like, oh my God, who is this guy? Why has he not been in my life until now? So <laughs> <laughs> we were chatting a little bit before we hit record, obviously on the podcast. My younger brother is like the biggest Linkin Park fan in the world, like huge. So I was like, oh, I wonder like what my brother thinks of this. So like I sent him it straight away and I was like, listen to this and let me know what you think. And like, literally it was like, 
within five minutes he replied and he was like he's actually incredible like he he is awesome like he really honors that song i was like yeah he totally does so um yeah and then obviously i went on your youtube i started looking at a couple of your songs and a couple of your covers and i was like this guy this guy i was like oh oh my god (laughs) so then i think i like followed you on socials and i remember um i think i reacted to one of your songs and then you did a live on instagram and i like jumped into the comments and i was like like, hey, Corvix, I've like, I've done a reaction to some of your music. And then uh, and then it was after the live ended, I think you DM'd me and you were like, oh, thanks very much. Like, I'll check it out. And then it kind of just went from there, really, right? Yep, yep. Uh, it's always, it's it's funny. It's interesting to find out how people have discovered me on YouTube. It's always interesting, like, what videos. And mm. the Messenger is actually kind of a rare one. I don't get that one too much because, I mean, it's not one of, it's not one of the videos that kind of blew up and, and went into the millions. It was something that I did because I was really affected by Chester's passing. Um, Linkin Park was uh, an integral part of my childhood growing up. Right. I, I listened to Linkin Park all the time. And when Chester passed, it really it was like the first real major celebrity that like hit home for me. Yeah. And listening to their music now, you even like, you can hear that Chester, he was writing about this all along. Yes. So when when I heard The Messenger, which was, I think right around the time they made that album and they had a bunch of those songs in the Transformer movie. Yeah. Um, the Messenger was like, aside from Paper Cut, <laughs> The Messenger was one of those songs that just like, I haven't heard such a raw vocal and such raw emotion yeah. from a vocalist in my life like that. Mm-hmm. And it was something that I was like, you know what, let's, let's hop into the, in the hallway. It was, I finished a, a cover. I was doing a, a, a vocal for a cover. Mm-hmm. And after I was, I, I grabbed my producer, he plays acoustic. And I said, let's just, let's just record this. I did it on my phone, which is very out of character for me. Because yeah. I don't really upload too many like iPhone videos on my channel. Mm. And I was just like, I don't care. I'm in basketball shorts. I'm in a, I'm in a, you know snap back and i was like this is just this is for chester and it's it's for anyone who loved lincoln park yeah so it's it's kind of cool that you found me through that video yeah definitely it's like it comes across as well like you know like it is a tribute to the artist who obviously meant so much to you i mean that comes across in the performance as well right i think um i completely like empathize with you as well in terms of like so obviously Linkin Park has been like my family for a long time. So as I said, my younger brother, like it's his favorite band, like literally because of that, like, you know, I got into Linkin Park. My mom and dad love Linkin Park. Like my older brother loved Linkin Park, all because my younger brother is like this huge fan. And I remember the day that obviously he found out that Chester passed and I kind of went upstairs and I didn't realize at this point and went into his bedroom just to say hello. And he was just sitting in absolute distraught on his bed. And he was just like, oh my God, like Chester Bennington's passed. And I was like, oh my, and it really, really hit us all because of his love for that artist and we kind of feel like you know we almost like know him type thing you know and like we've grown up with his yep. music and the band's music so that really did hit us hard and we all kind of had a moment of oh my god like this amazing artist has unfortunately passed but you're totally right Corvix like when you listen back to the music now you hear his pain you can hear it in the lyrics you can right. hear it in his cries and the performance and especially something like The Messenger like you can just Absolutely. every single lyric it is there like right in your face but Wow, what a loss of an incredible, talented artist. But I'll know. never forget that day either because yeah. I, I was sitting in the chair getting this. No way. I was getting the tattoo on my left arm. And actually, oh it was Joey Joey who called me and said, um, Chester, Chester committed suicide. And yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, so that was a day I won't forget. Um, but it's amazing to, it's amazing that that was the video that kind of connected us. And then I remember you hopped in on the premiere that I did for my driver's license cover yes. earlier this year. And that was when I really first noticed your name because, you know, having premieres on YouTube, it's, it's usually the same core group of people that mm -hmm. support me and, and love me. And obviously I love them right back, yeah. but it's always cool to see new people as well. And I didn't recognize your name. Mm. And you said, Hey, I, I, I'm happy to be joining the premiere. I've, I've seen some of your covers and I've heard, I've heard of your name. Mm. Uh, and I remember you were commenting as you were watching the video, obviously all words of encouragement, always super, super <laughs> sweet and kind. And yeah. And then I remember Instagram live and that's how we connected. Yeah. And here we are. <laughs> here we are yeah i love it so yeah corvix let's get a little bit into you so let's go back in time baby corvix so let's go back <laughs> to where it all began corvix so obviously you know like let's go back to you know right back to you first as a performer like where did it all begin and then kind of talk me a little bit about you know growing up where you then went on to study and things like that sure um as as cliche as it's going to sound, I have been singing since I could speak, literally. Yeah. Like there are recordings of me at three years old, my little raspy voice trying to sing Mariah Carey's Hero. <laughs> what a it's, tune. It's, what a tune, right? Uh, yeah, it's, I kind of grew up on like the big divas, you mm -hmm. know, like my mom, my mom and my sister were obviously um, major influences when my sister, mainly because my sister's 13 years older than me. Oh, wow. So she was a teenager and she was digesting so much music at the time. So I have a really broad palette because of that. Mm. But it really started because, I mean, you know, like most people, I, I come from a broken home and I had a tumultuous upbringing and my sister, um, would kind of take me into her bedroom and she would like, if my parents, you know, were arguing or whatnot, whatever it was to sort of distract from that, she would take me upstairs and she would just blast music and mm. she would record me, you know, if I was singing anything, that's why we have like all these little recordings of me from when I was a kid, but um, that's kind of how it all started. And then when I went to school, uh, elementary school, <laughs> it was bizarre. I got cast in my first play and it was by accident oh. because I remember I walked in. I wasn't even in the performing arts class. I walked into my at the time, my best friend, Chris, uh, he was in the performing arts class. And I remember I walked in to get something. My teacher had sent me to their classroom and they were holding auditions while I walked in. And it was it was like a scene out of a movie. It was very bizarre. The teacher, she wasn't even my teacher. She she pointed at me and she said, you do you want to be in Greece? <laughs> <laughs> wow. And I was like, what? I didn't know that like nobody really knew that I was I was a performer. I, I mm. hadn't done any plays uh since then. So you know it was grade school. And uh I said yes. I auditioned and then that was like that from there I you know I took any opportunity I could get through junior high school, high school to do any shows, to do any uh straight plays, anything that I could do to perform that's sort of what I did. Nice. And then so, obviously college as well. Yeah. Like, so which role were you in Greece? I was Kaniki. Yes. <laughs> I was little, I was a little badass. Of course you were Kaniki. Like <laughs> you couldn't be anyone else. I love that. Um, weirdly, when I was in sixth form, I was in a 
production of Greece as well. I was just one of the generic T-Birds. I can't remember which one I was now. But um, yeah, it was weird that. And like for so long, I kind of rejected Greece because my mom loves the film so much. And she's like, she played it so many times when we were growing up that I was actually sick to death of it. So when it came to uh-huh. like sixth form and like my drama teacher was like, oh, we're going to do a uh, Grease Adam. So which role do you want? And I was like, the role where I'm not in it. And then um, <laughs> he was like, no, like, you, you know, what? And I was like, okay, I'll, like, I guess I'll be one of the T-Birds. And then, uh, yeah, I just went there. But you know what? I had a blast. Like I loved it. And performing does that, doesn't it? You know, like, even if you might not necessarily enjoy like the film version or something or whatever just being on that stage and just performing when you're bitten by that acting bug it's just an unreal experience and I mean you know it right like you come from a performing background as well but there's something about performing live on a stage in front of an audience like that and the buzz and the atmosphere that you get back from that it's it's indescribable and it's incredible it's a a different animal it is completely completely different animal yeah, I love it though. I love it so much. Um, it's funny you say that about your, you know, your mom and your sister because my, so my mom is like she brought me up listening to some of the big diva voices as well. But her favorite was Whitney Houston. So whenever I uh-huh. hear any Whitney song, like One Moment in Time is still one of my favorite songs of all time. But whenever ever I hear any Whitney song, it's just my mom straight away. That's who I think of, you know. And you're probably the same way like, when you yeah. hear like these big diva tracks. You probably think of your family straight mm-hmm. away, right? Yeah, absolutely. Celine Dion, Whitney yeah. was huge. Mariah, you know, all of all of the all of the icons. Mm. Um, so that's that's kind of what I grew up on. Um, mm. But I also grew up on a lot a lot of other things as well. Uh, a lot of other bands like uh, Guns N' Roses, Journey, Aerosmith, mm. um, a lot of that as well. So it was a really eclectic sort of uh concoction yeah of of influences and then and then of course at that time it was in the 90s my sister was a teenager so grunge was huge hip-hop mm-hmm. was huge at least in the states yeah um, you had bands like nirvana and hole and nine inch nails and marilyn manson and mm-hmm. all of these people my sister wasn't so much into the grunge scene if i was a teenager i probably would have been at yeah. that time i kind of mm-hmm. had to go back in time and experience everything for myself because I I ate it up as I got older. I was like, wait, this, this is what was going on in the (laughs) nineties. Um, and then of course, Michael Jackson, Prince, Mm -hmm. all of, all of the, Michael Jackson was another huge one. Yeah. Yeah. What a performer. But um, it's funny, Absolutely. like, yeah, like we've been kind of similar in our music taste, really, Corbix, because like, you know, obviously you're saying there about like, you know, big diva voices and then you're kind of leaning more into the rock side as well, of like, you know, Journey and Guns N' Roses and all of that as well. Um, and like, yeah, like I weirdly like went into a similar phase like that for a little bit, but then got hit by like the big like pop artists as well at the time. So, you know, you had like, like Britney Spears and you had yeah. like all like the big like pop bands and like boy bands like NSYNC and all of that were like huge around that time as well. Yeah. So I kind of got swept up in all of that. And it wasn't until I was like yes. older, maybe like, you know, 15, 16, when I started to listen to bands like The Offspring and like kind of branched out into more like rockier sound. And then, as you say, like right. Nirvana came along and I was like, this does smell like teen spirit. And then like, you know, <laughs> and then I heard like The Hand That Feeds by Nine Inch Nails. And I was like, this is a banger. And that kind of opened like my, you know, eclecticness of like my taste of music massively there and it kind of just went from there so yeah it's quite similar really and by the way sidebar faithfully by journey is one of the best songs ever written (laughs) i love i absolutely love that song i actually do have a cover of it well released unreleased um i sang it a few years ago and i will be releasing it on patreon soon so oh my god that's all i need to know this episode is over (laughs) 
cannot wait to hear that, Corvix. Let me just drop in that bomb straight in there. I love that. I saved the goodies. Yeah. There's another one as well I need to ask you about as well, but we'll come to that. So, um, yeah, so let's go back to, so obviously, you know, you've started in Greece as Kaniki. And then where do we go from there, Corvix? So obviously, you know, you've, you know, you've studied then, you've gone into performance, right? So then you've started to study more like singing and performance. So where did we start to do that then? So I didn't really have any formal training in performance or singing until I was in college because it was almost, it was almost mandatory. Mm -hmm. Um, we, we kind of were assigned vocal coaches that we had to see every week. And then of course, um, the college that I had gotten into Wagner college was, it was actually ranked one of the top three in the nation. which was really crazy because it was in my hometown. So it was like this little diamond in the rough on Staten Island. Um, And I got in and it was almost like a conservatory training plus a liberal arts education. Mm -hmm. So um, it was, it was a lot, but it, that was where I received most of my training and it really was an incredible experience. I think college, um, if I hadn't experienced college, I don't know if, I would be who I am right now. I don't know if Corvix would exist. Okay. So I'm, I'm, I'm definitely so grateful to that experience. Although there were so many times where I wanted to rip my hair out between (laughs) classes and five hour rehearsals right after a full day of classes and then shows on top of it. So it was, but it it definitely honed me Mm. for, for performing. Yeah. You know, I I knew, I knew once I graduated, I was like, if I could do, if I could do that, I could, I could do anything. (laughs) Yeah, man. Absolutely. It's a, it's a different type of discipline, right? Yeah. Incredible. Um, so with the vocal training, obviously was the, did you learn to play any instruments as well? Or was it just strictly like vocal performing that you were doing? It was strictly vocal performing at the time. I'm going to be honest. I didn't have any interest in learning how to play an instrument. Yeah. Um, I kind of now, now I do, um, I, I do, I do have some, I wish I can kind of go back and slap my parents in the head a little bit because they signed me up for T-ball as a, as a child, which was, you know, it's fun as a kid, but I really wish something that would have been more beneficial for me would Mm. have been to sign me up for like piano lessons. I I absolutely adore piano. I, it, it is my favorite instrument. Um, I do dabble a little bit, but I by no means can play. Like I cannot accompany myself. Yeah. Um, but in college, no, I, I pretty much focused on my vocal training, my acting. Um, mm. And that was like top priority for me. You're right about piano. There's something about it. It's so emotive. And that's, if I could learn to play, so I don't play any instruments either, but if I could learn to play, I think piano would be at the top of my list. There's just something about it. And when you see artists sit there and play and sing at the same time, oh man, I mean, there's all sorts of skills going on there. It's incredible. Just look at Elton John perform, you know, like what a master of that craft, just playing and singing at the same time. It's Absolutely. it's amazing. No, I love that. It's funny because I I had people ask me, like I had auditioned for um, American Idiot when it was on Broadway and that's see that's where things come into play where it can be a disadvantage because i had gotten called back for two of the main roles wow. one of them being johnny johnny's the, the lead and he plays guitar throughout the whole show right and that was something that sort of took me out of the running for that role because i didn't play guitar mm. and it's funny though because people always say like you look like you play guitar you you look like you should play guitar and i that's I'm always like an anti-cultural sort of person. I'm like, I want to go against the grain. I, if you if you think I should play that, I don't want to play that. Yeah. I want to 
I want to play the piano. I want to play the saxophone. Like I want to play something nobody else would think I would play. You know, <laughs> I like that though as well, Corvix. And as well, like, you know, it's one of the things where I was chatting about this earlier with one of my friends. So when you look at like, you know, you as the performer, like, you know, in terms of like your brand, you know, very much from an outside perspective, you might think, okay, this guy must be heavily into his rock and it was metal music. And I know that you obviously have that, but there's so many pop like influences as well in your music and in your covers as well. So it's nice that you do go against the grain as much as you can. That it kind of, it gives you that individual identity really. But I do love that about, you know, you as a performer where you're not pigeonholed. Do you know what I mean? Like you can, you can perform a rock song. Right. You can also belt out like a pop ballad as well, and you can nail both. And that just shows you, you know, how diverse you've got within that vocal like capability, really. I love that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, to be honest, I would say that there's probably more pop influence in, in my career than there has been metal or rock, even mm. though I do, I obviously I do adore metal and I do adore rock music and I adore alternative music. But I would say that there probably has been more of a pop influence than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Which comes across in your covers, obviously. But um, we will speak about some of them in a bit. But I want to ask you, Corvick, so you've told me this story, but you need to share it because it's phenomenal. Okay. So you met the lady herself, Lady Gaga. Can you tell us that story, please? (laughs) (laughs) It's funny because I always forget that I met her. Isn't that strange? Yeah, right. The reason why I forget was because at the time I was rehearsing for Jesus Christ Superstar when I was in college. Mm. I was playing Judas and I remember I had just gone off stage. We actually were in a different theater. We weren't on campus. Yeah. We were we were in Snug Harbor, which is a it's a beautiful historic location on Staten Island and they have a gorgeous theater. And we were actually performing there and rehearsing there because our theater was under renovation so we got off stage i got off stage i remember i I had just finished doing i believe it was the blood money scene Mm. where i i betrayed jesus (laughs) and i get off stage and i had to pee so bad i had to pee so bad so my director's like everyone sit down my director was michelle Pauk, who was a freaking tony award winner by the way she was incredible um and she was like everyone sit down i was like oh my god i gotta go i can't sit down (laughs) i gotta gotta get up so she's like um i want you guys to not say a word she's like you have to behave yourselves we have a very special guest here today so everyone's like who the hell is it like who the hell you know Hmm. so so she's like you guys can't ask for pictures nothing so now i'm like okay i'm like i really to be honest i was like i don't care who's here just let me go to the bathroom please (laughs) Please just let me use the, the restroom. So my director was like, I, I asked her, I said, I just got to use the bathroom. She didn't even tell me that who was in the lobby. So I run up to the lobby. I, I open the door and there's just a posse, like an entourage of people. And there's Lady Gaga standing five foot. What is she? Five foot two? Something like that. Yeah. In, in a full patent leather getup looking like she just walked off like the matrix. (laughs) And I was, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. Cause I was like, is, I was like, is that, is that Gaga? And I, I ran to use the restroom. I obviously wasn't, I'm not that type of person. I don't, I don't like to run up to people and make them feel awkward. Mm. I don't want to be a bother. So I always mind my business. Like, Jesus Christ could be standing next to me and I probably would not approach him just, just out of like, I, I'm, I like to give people their space. Yeah. So I ran to the bathroom. When I came back in, she was walking down the aisle in the theater. Mm. And if you watch the Marry the Night video, that 
she's on stage. There's like a ballet bar where she's doing ballet. I don't know if it was her or if it, if it was one of her performers. I believe it's her. Hmm. But most of that video was filmed in Snug Harbor. And that was the stage that I performed Jesus Christ Superstar on. She was location scouting for that music video. Why wow, isn't and that incredible, man? It, it was it was really surreal. And mm -hmm. I have to be honest, like for, you know, going to school with a with a bunch of gays <laughs> and Gaga was kind of like in her prime at that time. We were very well behaved. Nobody, nobody, um, nobody asked her for a picture, which I was kind of sad about. I'm like, she could have taken a picture with us. But, <laughs> you know, she, she came in, did her business. Um, she did. She did say she said something to us. She's like, guys, my roots you know, theater, theater is my roots and keep doing what you're doing. And yeah. it was very like, it was very like stoner energy. And I was like, <laughs> I love her. Um, wow. But she was, she, she is who she is. It's yeah. not a, it's not like a act. It's not a get up. It's, mm -hmm. she is who she is. Yeah. It was really cool. It was really cool to see that she actually did pick that location. And we can say that we performed on the same stage as Lady Gaga. Damn right, man. That's incredible. Like, I love as well that yeah. she actually took time just to say something to you as well. Like, you know, keep doing what you're doing, guys. You can just imagine how Gaga would say that as well. I love that. And that was that that was the um the Born This Way era as well. That's mm. when she came out with the Born This Way album and she had the song Judas on it. Yes. Which is when I was playing <laughs> Judas and Jesus Christ Superstar. So it was like a full circle moment. It was oh. it was really cool. Clearly, she saw your performance and wrote the song about you, Kovics. Let's be real. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's funny you mentioned it was that. All, actually. all premonitory. I mean, yeah, of course. Let, let's be honest. Um, but it's <laughs> funny you mentioned that with celebrities. So I don't know if I've told you this story before, but so I so it depends on the celebrity for me. But I <laughs> I had a weird run in with a celebrity uh, in a cinema and I literally was like, oh, my God, was that them? I need to say at least hello. So I'd gone to the cinema and this was in Newcastle where I'm from with my brothers. And we went to see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, so the latest Tarantino film. So it's a long one. And it got to about halfway through the film and I was like, right, like you, I really need to pee. So I was like, right, I'm going to run to the loo very quickly. And then I thought, right, nothing's happening. I'll be able to go. So I quickly like ran down, ran into the loo. So went in, obviously did the business and I was like washing my hands. And then I noticed, I saw somebody come in. I kind of just thought, all right, you know, whatever. So as I washed my hands, I turned around to use like the hand dryer and I looked and I was like, oh my God, no way. And it was Ian McKellen. So like Gandalf himself. So I was like, Gandalf oh my God. I know, right? And the weird thing was he was dressed in like pastel gray colors. So I was like, wow, you've gone from Gandalf the White back to gray. But um, yeah, uh, so I was just like drying my hands in the hand dryer and I was like staring at him. I was like, I can't. So he was like at the urinal and then like he looked at me and I was like staring at him. I was, I was like, I probably shouldn't be looking. Jesus, what am I doing? So I was like looking away, drying my hands. And then I like, I just casually walked out. But I was like, I can't believe that. That's Ian McKellen. I will never get this opportunity again. I'm just going to say hello nothing else uh -huh. so there was like a seat like a couple of seats like in the corridor outside of where the loo was and then as he walked out like I kind of just stood up and I just went Ian I just have to say I think you're amazing and a huge inspiration thank you for all of your work and um he was just really like courteous and he just went oh thank you very much and then just off he went into the cinema to see a film and I was like Aww. has this just happened and like I ran back into the cinema and I sat down and like my brothers I was in the middle and I was like you will never guess who I've just seen in the <laughs> like in the middle of like the film they were just like who yeah. it was so funny but yeah just crazy so I just for me, I just, I, because there was no one else around and I just wasn't expecting him at all, I, I just had to say one thing. Because as an actor, to see someone of that caliber as well, I was like, oh my God, like he just 
blew me away. I thought I'm never going to see him yeah, again. It's like it's like a mythological. It's like seeing a unicorn. It, I mean, the people you the people you run into in the UK, the UK bathrooms. <laughs> I mean, he is like top tier, like UK celebrities. I mean, man, that was just. I'm never going to get that opportunity again. So, Sir Ian, if you're listening, it was a pleasure to meet you outside of the bathroom <laughs> in Newcastle Cinema. Um, so, yes, yeah, so back to Corvix, the performer. So, Corvix, obviously, you know, your brand, I mean, we can see here, you know, you're dressed in this incredible black getup and that amazing hat, by the way, which I adore, and I've already told you that. But, you know, this kind of, this aesthetic here, we've got, like, I've called it, like, I know, right? <laughs> I've called it, like, gothic witchy realness, which I absolutely adore. But... You know, has that always been your image, you know, kind of like from kind of, I'm guessing like teenage years, kind of, you know, when we, when we discover who we are, like, has that always been your image? And like, you know, talk about that and also where the, where the concept for like Corvix came from the performer. No, it has not always been my image. Um, that's, that's a good question. And yeah. in fact, there was a radical change um, from high school to college because okay. I grew, I grew up in New York, in one of the boroughs, Staten Island. And um, it was kind of taboo to step outside the lines, to okay. look different, to dress differently, to be a queer person uh, growing up. I, I wasn't out at the time either because I was, I, I was scared. I was terrified. You know, I, I kept it. I got rather good at hiding my sexuality as well. So when I went to college, Although it was on Staten Island, 90% of the student population was from out of state. Mm. And being gay in a theater program was, it was almost a requirement. It was like <laughs> everyone was gay. So it went from one extreme to the next. And my whole freshman year, I was still, I was still timid. I was still um, coming out of my shell, if you will. And my sophomore year, I did a show... It was a production of A Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, what a, Shakespeare. what a play. Love it. And my director actually had a really fun sort of contemporary direction for, for the play that we did. And she made the Rude Mechanicals like this kind of group of misfits, like these punks, right? And I played a, a role where I played this like badass, rebellious uh, teenager who... In every scene, I was on something with skates. I was like rolling in on rollerblades or I was skateboarding or, and I remember I, I started doing my eyeliner for the show and a lot of people came to see it. It was a, it was a really great show. It was, it was probably the most fun that I had in college in terms of like just being able to chill and have a good time mm. uh, on set. And a lot of people came to see the show and I remember people were like, um, this this whole aesthetic really fits you like it suits you the guy liner everything going on like yeah. it really suits you and it was funny because i i really did feel connected to it and i started after that show i was like i really i like the way i feel i like the way i look and i started dressing more the way that i wanted to even when i was a, a teenager because mm -hmm. I didn't dress. I didn't dress this way. I I wore a lot of baggy clothes. I wore what was popular at the time. I also went through a bout of weight fluctuation where I was super super heavy in junior high school, and then I dropped a ton of weight my sophomore year. Um, actually, it was junior high school, and then I dropped a ton of weight my sophomore year of high school. Right. And that's where I started wearing like skinny jeans and Hollister and like all the things that were in at the time. 
but it was always within these restrictions and these guidelines of what was cool mm. and what what you were able to wear without sort of sticking out too much. Mm. And then college came. And like I said, I was like, fuck that. I'm not, I, I'm going to wear what I want. I'm going to do what I want. And I saw that people were, you know, embracing me for who I was and, and for what I wanted to do. Um, and from there, I, I kept up with that sort of aesthetic and it was, it was much more, <laughs> I was sort of like, I wore everything that I owned. And like, if, if the boots had spikes on them, I was wearing them. And I would <laughs> like to think that I tailored myself a little bit and I'm a little bit mm. more elevated now in terms of fashion. I don't know if I am, but <laughs> I like to think that I am. Um, so then once I graduated college, I knew immediately that recording was what I always wanted to do. I wanted to be a recording mm. artist. Yeah. Uh, theater, theater was excellent training and and i wouldn't know how to tell a story if it wasn't for theater because mm. i mean singing is storytelling right singing a yeah. song is telling a story and instead of having a whole two-hour play you have three to four minutes to do that mm -hmm. and i wouldn't be the performer that i am if it wasn't for acting yeah so once i had graduated college i was like okay i i did the thing i i trained i i want to i want to start executing and i want to get into a booth Mm -hmm. So I found a I found a local studio um, on on Staten Island, and we hit it off. I I kind of went in. I met them. It was it was almost like an informal audition. I I sang I sang for um, I sang for them in the studio, and from there from there we started doing covers. And nice. I started uploading covers on YouTube. Just willy nilly, I, I I was like, let me let me see what I could do. Let me let me get my voice out there. But at the time, I wasn't doing anything strategically. I didn't know mm. anything about search engine optimization or <laughs> anything to sort of boost my stats on YouTube. I was just like, okay, I'm gonna record record this in the studio. Hopefully, sing it well. Get my best friend to shoot a free video for me. <laughs> Use my aunt's house. That that was literally like one of the first videos I did was My Immortal by Evanescence. Yeah. And, um, I remember I just uploaded it. I, I didn't do I didn't know anything about YouTube at the time. And I uploaded it under my legal name Yeah. and my legal name is a mouthful, which I will not disclose here, but it is, it is not memorable. Mm -hmm. It is not something that would be easily searchable. And I knew that if I wanted to stick on YouTube, I was going to have to have something that was memorable. Mm. And I wanted something to be honest. I never connected with my name. Um, I, I always felt like it was very run of the mill, very mundane. And that's no offense to anyone out there, <laughs> you know, named Anthony or Joe. I'm dating a Joe. My name's <laughs> Anthony. Um, but I always felt like as a performer, there was this sort of alter ego. Mm. I didn't feel like myself when I was singing. I felt like something came over me and whatever that was, I feel like it really uh, it was powerful. It, it felt right. And it felt like, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is who I am. And it's where I felt most connected, I guess, to, um, my purpose. Hmm. And so I felt like that deserved a name uh, yeah. aside from, you know, my, my, my given name, like Lady Gaga is Stephanie Germanata. Yeah, I'm sure she feels connected to Gaga. Gaga is a part of her, just like mm. Corvix is a part of me. So I was brainstorming and I said, I don't know. Like, I don't know if, if I should even do a, a, a stage name. 
but I know that I don't want to use my real name. Yeah. So I, I uploaded a few covers with my real name. And then I was watching the movie The Crow one day. Yes. At, with Brandon Lee. Yep. And uh, I was like, what a badass character, Eric Draven. He had this, he had this huge bird on his shoulder, sort of as, as his uh, sidekick is, and sort of as his like, I don't want to say alter ego, but it was like his, <clears throat> can we say spirit animal still? Am I going to get canceled? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. But it, it, it represented like this bigger part of himself. And it, it, it almost felt like it was a, um, the essence of him. Mm. And I said, how badass are these big black birds, right? And I thought, well, if there's anything that I feel connected to, I, I always felt connected to the outliers and the outcasts. And I always felt like black birds um, are these feared birds. There's this stigma behind them that they're bad omens and that um, they represent misfortune and death. And, you know, mythologically, they were always seen as this fearsome creature, which is cool. I, th I think it's cool that they sort of have this like mystique around them. But I did a little bit more research into blackbirds. That's sort of what inspired me. And I came across the constellation Corvus, which means raven mm. in Latin. And I started doing more research about ravens and crows and blackbirds in general. And they come from the, the family. Uh, I think it's the, the genome or the genus. I don't know what the proper term for it is. It's called Corvidae. And so I was doing more research on that. And actually, blue jays are a part of it as well, which is yeah. another bird that I always connected to. Um, strangely, I always used to see them, and I still do, mm -hmm. in times of like doubt and, and, and trouble. And, um, so anyway, back to, back <laughs> to the uh, ravens. Uh, so I said, I really like that that name Corvus. And I was like, let me tweak it a little bit and let me have people call me Corvix for like two weeks to a month. Let me see if it sticks. Let me see if I like it. Mm. But I actually, I started with Anthony Corvix. It was sort of like a warm up. I was like flirting with it a little bit. <laughs> and then um, it stuck and people just started calling me Corvix and it felt right. And um, it's funny because for a while I forgot how much I loved the meaning behind it until recently, because I, I had recently gone through like probably like one of the most difficult times in my life where I lost a lot. There was a lot of loss. I lost my dog. Um, I, I lost uh, a house that I grew, grew up in for a majority of my life. It was a lot of loss. And I remember I had to, I, I had to send in some information for a show, which I will talk about at another time, but I had to, I had to really send them information about what my artist name meant. And I was, as I was like sending them the information, I was remembering and I was like, mm. wait, ravens were also the messengers of Odin. Like they were, bir they were birds of, of gods. And I, I'm huge into Norse mythology and I, mm. I, I love that stuff. And they had these other, um, historical representations and and symbolisms besides misfortune and death and and um, bad omens and there was magic to them and mystique and they were also known as shapeshifters and they were revered and as one of the most intelligent birds if not the most intelligent bird on the planet mm. and I just always I I felt so connected to that especially recently the the magic and the mystique and the shape shifting to be a survivor is to shape shift to, mm. to be able to adapt mm. and more recently 
I connect to my stage name more than anything. Yeah. Um, more than I did when I first picked it out. Yeah. Which is, which is kind of, it's kind of crazy to think that uh, younger Corvix, baby Corvix kind of picked the name without knowing the full intention behind it. Mm. And now I, and now I understand it. Yeah. Man, Corvix, that's incredible. Like there's a lot in there that I can empathize with as well. So like as a fellow gay, um, it's interesting because, you know, I think it's a popular part of our narrative when we say, you know, we've had struggles with our sexuality. And I think it's one of them things where, you know, many of the reasons why I went into performing is because I could play somebody else. You know, I could almost have that relief from being myself for some time and then come back to that. And it's like, you know, that that's popular. There's a lot of gay people I've spoken to, you know, like I've been to drama schools where, you know, 90% of the people there were gay. And it's a popular narrative, you know, where for whatever reason, you know, you've been through hardship because of your sexuality and therefore you can kind of embody somebody else for a little bit, a little bit of relief away from that and then come back to that. What's really nice about that story, obviously, with you talking about that there is, when you kind of become that performer, when you become like Corvix, you've got control over that. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you see that fire and that passion in performing, you know, like almost like Sasha Fierce. Like, you know, you've got that alter ego, which is your performer and you chose that, you chose that name and you bring that passion to that. And that's incredible because you've written your own narrative there. You know, I just think that's incredible. And I think, you know, the thought that, you know, the fact that you picked that from such a young age and then you've kind of come full circle and you've thought about it and thought, you know what, that actually means so much more to me now. And it's something that was probably like a little bit of a grain of sand in the back of your mind to start with, but has then become this full thing as you've thought about it over time. And obviously, you know, you're attached to Norse mythology behind it. You, you attach all of that around it. And I just think that's incredible how it's become so much more of a bigger thing to you now. And, you know, for all that, you may have chosen it for, you know, you know, just as an alter ego, really, for that, I want to perform a name, but now it's it's a performer identity, you know, that you've really stepped into and become Corvix. As I, I've only ever known you as Corvix, and that's, you know, and I love that because I just, I see you and I just get it. Do you know what I mean? I just get, right, this is the guy, this is the type of performer he is, and I love that. It's uh, interesting you talk about Crows and Blue Jays as well. One of my favorite bands is a band called Catatonia, spelt with a K, not with a C, very different bands. But uh, they're, a, lot of, a lot of their artwork is Crows and Ravens, and a lot of their lyrics are about birds. And kind of talking to you now, it, it makes a lot more sense as to why, because there is that mysticism and there's that element of like, you know, just mythology almost behind them and i think that's really really fascinating and interesting that it makes things more multi-layered and um especially with you as well you know like i just love that you know when you you can see when you perform you become this performer and you become corvix and it's just so multi-layered in terms of talent and just performance capability so it completely reflects exactly what you've just said there well thank you i i, I appreciate it as always um i do think corvix has it's become synonymous yes. with, with who I am. I don't even think of Corvix as an alter ego anymore. It's funny because recently I was explaining it. I was explaining the, the name and I thought of the crow again and, and how I was watching that movie when I, when I started doing all of this. And I was like, you know, what's funny is that Corvix is sort of my raven on my mm. shoulder. It's, it's like, it's the raven on little Anthony's shoulder and he's he's sort of become this it's almost like a superhero mm. you know and, and it has become synonymous with who i am i i am corvix i don't feel like corvix is a separate part of me mm. uh and it's it's made me feel so comfortable in my skin i i don't even think twice about 
anything anymore. I don't think about what people are going to say about me. I don't care if you don't like the way I dress. Um, of course, if you do like the way I dress, thank you. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I used to think about those things so much that I've reached a point in my life and it, and it comes with maturity as well. Mm, yeah. um, and I think understanding the name also came with maturity mm. and life lessons. Um, but you just reach a point where you've lived that that part of your life for so long where you're worried yeah. about what everyone's thinking and, and what they're going to say that you reach a point where it's like, I will never do that again. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Corvix is a huge part of that. Oh, massively. I think what's really interesting as well is, you know, like everybody, I think in their lives has a little bit of that in some way. So for example, like if you go to work, you know, you, you step into a role, which is different from the way that you are at your own home. Right. So you step into that role of that job. And then you kind of, you do that and then you come back and then you are kind of yourself, right? Whereas I think, so that is almost like the role you step into to do your job and then you come back to the real you. Whereas with you, Corvix, what's interesting there, what you said is, you know, that you've stepped into that role, but rather than stepping away from it, that has become your identity. That is who you are. So as you've said there, you know, you live and breathe that and that's incredible, you know, because performing is your life. You know what I mean? Like you are a performer. Like, you know, you think of like, <laughs> reminds me of that quote from Sister Act 2, when Whoopi Goldberg is saying, you know, if you wake up in the morning and all you think about is singing and you're a singer, girl, and it's exactly that, right? Like, it is that though, you know, you wake up in the morning and you think about singing, you're that performer and that is your identity now. And that is so different from like, you know, other jobs where you might go to I don't know like a restaurant and like play the role that you need to then and come back to who you are so yeah I just think it's right. really interesting the process of how it's gone from this name and this you know identity that you step into as a performer to becoming your identity and such a core part of who you are mm -hmm. by the way Joey would have loved that Sister Act 2 reference <laughs> Well, uh, no, well next time i speak to him i will be sure to mention it again <laughs> so um yeah so obviously corvix you know like we've talked a little bit about the songs that you've you know you've covered and you, i mean there is such a caliber <laughs> to choose from on your youtube channel there's like there is numbers of covers but talk to me a little <laughs> bit about you know when you when you like think about you know stepping up to do a cover of a song so because i'm really ignorant when it comes to this so i'm really fascinated to know like Talk me through that process. So obviously, you know, you're choosing a song from another artist. So talk to me about how, you know, you secure the rights to do that. You've got like backing tracks as well. So how do you, how do you arrange that as well? And then you've got, you know, your artistic creativity as well, where, you know, you cover the song, but then you bring your Corvix spin to it as well. So talk me through that whole process. Sure. Cover song selection is always, for me, it's pretty natural because I cover the things that I want to sing. I cover the songs that I love and I cover the songs that have spoken to me. If it, mm. if it hasn't hit me on a visceral level, then I'm probably not going to cover it. If, if, if there's something there that I think can be kind of flipped on its head, uh, that also intrigues me. Mm. Like if there is a song that is super, super, and I, I always use this as, as a prime example. And it's funny cause it's, I'm not going to use one of my covers as an example, but <laughs> Lord did a cover of tears for fears everybody wants to rule the world mm -hmm. and i'm i'm using her example because i thought it was such a perfect way to take a song that in, in production sounds pretty like i would say it doesn't sound as ominous and and as as gloom and doom as the lyrics suggest it could be okay and to to sort of take a song like that because the original is sort of upbeat and mm -hmm. it's something you can dance to right yeah but she took this song and i suggest you go listen to it if you haven't um 
it, it really flips it on its head and kind of accentuates and highlights the the haunting dark side of it and i always think that's so cool and i've done that with with a bunch of my covers as well so yeah when when i hear a song and i'm like oh i could do something with that i could i can flip it on its head and i can show the sort of yang to the yin you know mm. and I, I i love when songs can speak two different languages yeah um so that's that's how i go about selecting the songs it's usually songs that i love Mm-hmm. Or there's songs that I think I could do something really cool with mm-hmm. and, and make the listener and viewer see it differently. Yeah. So when it, when it comes to that, it's always a pretty natural process because I, I just gravitate towards the songs that I love. Mm. Um, and as far as, as far as licensing and stuff like that, it's, it's not as um, complicated as it seems. It's, I use a, um, a company called DistroKid, which I know millions of musicians now use. And they're really great. I mean, they you submit the song and they acquire all of the rights for you and oh, wow. you download the licenses. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. Some songs take longer than others, like some licenses are a little longer to acquire. Mm. Um but it's it's a fairly easy process. Mm. And then as far as productions and back backtracks go most of my backtracks i would say probably since my immortal because my immortal was the last time i used like a karaoke track yeah um there were a few that i used karaoke tracks for so like my immortals when i first started uploading gravity by sarah Bareilles, i used a backtrack for and mm-hmm. the kill by 30 seconds to mars those were all things i used karaoke tracks for mm-hmm. and the and I remember the first track that we like created in studio by ourselves was a Daughtry cover. It was oh, Waiting wow. for Superman. Banger. And from then on, we everything we have done in studio from scratch, everything's from my mind and my producer's mind. And we we have co-collaborated on everything from then on. Wow, man, that's awesome. Like I'm literally yeah, learning the full process. I love all of this. That's incredible. And that's so easy with the licensing. Like I never realized how... You know, obviously, you know, they do all of the kind of the hard work for you, really. You kind of just like record the song, submit it, and then they do all of that kind of paperwork around it, really, and get all the, do all the admin and kind of sort all that out. So that's, I didn't even know that was a thing. So that's incredible to know, man. Wow. That's, that makes it so much easier. (laughs) It's the very least that can be done because if I had to do that on top of (laughs) create the song, sing the song, shoot the video, I would, I wouldn't be here. You would implode. (laughs) You would literally implode. So yeah, like obviously, you know, with that COVID, so you kind of mentioned a little bit there, like your music videos now, I mean, I will talk about some of them in depth later on, but wow, like they are like installations. They are incredible. You've kind of, we've spoken, obviously we've spoken quite a lot and you've told me a little bit about, you know, like you kind of start with like the germ of an idea and that kind of then leaks into the music video, but talk me through your process. Like do you storyboard, you kind of like see an image and kind of gravitate towards that and like recreate your version of that. Like, how do you do it? For a long time, I did, I actually did create, I had a whole binder full of treatments and concepts that I, mm. I would six to seven pages long for, for covers. Right. Because yeah. I, I do covers mostly, but I, I am working on original stuff. Hey, um, hey. <laughs> now, now the, the bar is set, right? Because with the covers, I've sort of treated them like my originals. I, yeah. I've, I, I give, I try to give a thousand and one percent to everything that I do. 
mm. uh, even even when it comes to covers. Yeah. And, and that's sort of how I, I use the covers as a mechanism to obviously get my name out, because when I do release original material, I want I want there to be listeners. I want people to be listening. Yeah. So for yeah. the covers, like I said, I I do treat them like originals. They're they're just as important to me because. We're all fans at the end of the day, right? Yeah. We all started out inspired by someone else. And so me covering songs that I love and artists that I love, it's sort of my my ode to them. It's my homage to them. And I always want to do it the right way while also putting my own spin on it and saying mm-hmm. this is this is what it would be if Corvix wrote this. This was this is what it would be if Corvix created the visual. And so I always start visually, which is funny because I'm a singer, but I always see the video first and Mm -hmm. that inspires the production and that inspires the, the synths that I use and the pads that I use and the drum kits that I use in my music, because I always see these like epic cinematic pieces which is also sometimes a disadvantage because I don't always have a $10,000 budget and a crew. And, um, but I, I do my best with what I do have. Mm. Um, but I do sometimes, I want to bang my head against the wall. Cause sometimes I'm like, <laughs> you gotta stop thinking that you have Michael Bay directing your music videos. You gotta, you gotta stick with, with what you can do. But I love, I love huge productions. I love mm. cinematic productions. It's, it's, you know, some of my favorite artists, Florence and the Machine, um, even, even those, those older bands, Tears for Fears, um, Depeche Mode, The Cure, like there's just something timeless about certain music. And I, I hope that even with my covers, I, I hope that there's a timelessness to them. Uh, because I do feel like we're living in, a, in an era where music is but of a moment mm-hmm. uh, and of a, it's what's popular at the time. And mm. I want my music to transcend that. I want yeah. my voice to transcend that. I want my visuals to transcend that. Um, and don't get me wrong. I do enjoy a lot of contemporary music. Mm. Um, I love music in general. I, yeah. I just, for my personal taste, I would like my music to, transcend that a little bit yeah um but i i do always start visually it's it's either like i'll see a scene in the video that i want to create or i'll see a texture or i'll see a color Mm. and that'll sort of spark everything that'll that'll spark the production and that'll that'll spark what what i want to do uh as far as how i'm going to edit it and post and Mm. So I start visually a lot of the time, but sometimes it works the other way around. Sometimes I'll, I'll hear, um, I'm, I'm very inspired by big drums. I love, like, I'm sure you've heard them in my music, uh, you know, like big toms and cinematic, like almost tribal drums, like you're going to war. Like I yeah. love, I love those sounds. So mm. I'm very inspired by that. Mm. Um, and so, you know, I, it's, it could be anything really. I could see something while I'm driving and I'll be like, wow, that street sign. wow that bird that flew by (laughs) i love that though that's that's really really fascinating like you do get people that are like more visual right like they see things in their mind's eye and they think right i need to try and recreate this in some way you get some people that are more analytical when they're like like write everything and plan everything and have it right there but i think like it's it's the artistic approach as well i think like I, i was always really similar so when it was like when it came to like being in, you know, performances or putting on like plays or whatever it is, like in drama school and whatever, 
I kind of used to see like how the scene would look in my mind, you know, and I could just see it and picture it. So I totally get where you're coming from there. And again, like that would dictate, right. What color will the curtains be? What color will, you know, like all the different staging be like, what will we be wearing? Like, where will we stand in this scene? And like, it's a lot of it comes from like, you know, metaphor and mood and performance like that as well, which to be fair, what you, what you do as well does. But I think what really stands out for me with your music videos, Corvix, and you kind of hit it towards it when you were talking about it there is that, you get a lot of music videos nowadays, which kind of recreate and give that familiarity of like pop culture. So you see like a lot of people like, you know, in familiar settings or doing familiar things, which people can gravitate towards. And whether that has a link with the song or not can be hit and miss. Whereas what you do really, really cleverly and do it quite a lot is, you know, you take the essence of the song and you make that the music video. So, I mean, there are some of them I'll talk about later on, but I just think it's really interesting that you take what is the the main, that kind of motif of the song and you make that into the music video. And that's for me is always really interesting when you're able to do that. Because I say you could go down that route of, you know, just, and I'm not, I'm not shitting on, you know, like other kind of popular music videos and saying you know this is really enough because i'm used to seeing that it's just right. more that it's a difference compared to the way that you might approach something which i find really fascinating it's it's so important to me visuals and the visual is almost as important to me as the audio i mm. i don't hold i don't hold one higher than the other i i I've always loved music videos growing up. Even mm. as a kid, I would love watching VH1 and MTV. Yeah. I just loved watching music videos. And yeah. they were so important to me because it was a pairing. And, and mm. when that happens, when there's like a synergy with the audio and, and the visual, mm. you really can take people somewhere. And I think the highest compliment that can be paid to me is not, oh my God, your voice is incredible. Or, oh my God, you know, it's when someone says, you you took me somewhere else. Yeah. I was transported. And that to me is the highest compliment that can be paid. I, I love when people feel sort of feel my essence through through my music. Because mm. that that to me is um I think that's the closest thing that we have to magic. And I know that sounds corny, but I think oh. music is the closest thing that we have to magic mm. um, because it can literally alter the chemicals in your body. It can literally alter the energy in the room. Yeah. And I've always said that a song is like a spell, right? And that, that also comes into the, the witchy thing. It, it's <laughs> as fun as it is, um, the aesthetic, you know, and, and as much as I'm fascinated by the occult and um, spiritualism and religion in general, I think that music, I've always said, is like a spell, and spells are what? They're, it's language, it's speech, in, mm. in a very meticulous sort of string together rhythm. Mm. And a spell is to bring about change, it's, it's intention. And when, when, when you read words aloud, language is very powerful. And I think that a song is the same way. I think a song is like a spell. You can literally cast a spell on people for three to four minutes, take them somewhere else, and physically and physically change the chemicals in their body to make them feel better or who knows, make them feel worse, whatever it is. <laughs> it's very powerful. Yeah. And I, I like to I like to try to accomplish the same visually. Mm, I completely agree with that. I think um you know, we talk about like when you listen to music and I always say like I have to be sometimes with certain artists, I'm like, I have to be in a certain mood to appreciate them. But then on the flip side is you get certain songs which literally dictate your mood. So you might go to like, like, for example, I've got like a gym playlist of like upbeat, like rock songs, pop songs, which get me going ready, get me pumped for the gym. Whereas I've got a re I've got a reading playlist, which is more like 
like just chilled out. Like sometimes a lot of it's just instrumental music, which I can just zone out and read for. But again, like it, it leans into that metaphor of magic, which you were talking about there, which is that, you know, it can change your mood. So like, you know, yeah. you might hear a brand new song from an artist that you love and you think, oh my God, I was having the worst day, but now I've heard this song. I just feel incredible you know and that does lean into that metaphor of magic as you said you know that is that is something that you're listening you're digesting and then that is changing your mood so as i say it dictates your mood there and i agree completely right. with with like the music video point that you were saying there i mean i remember when i was like a baby gay and uh, i was sitting and i saw madonna's like a prayer video for the first time and i remember sitting there watching that and being like oh my god like that blew my mind. And I actually recorded it as well and watched it like a billion times. Because again, it was synergy. Mm -hmm. Like that music video with that song, which right. is iconic. And that music video as well. Like whenever I hear the song, I think of that music video straight away. And it's right. just, you're right. When that synergy, when it comes together, it has such that perfect impact on you. And you think, oh my God, this song, that music video, the package of everything around that is exactly. phenomenal. Yeah. Exactly. And, and to piggyback on what you said, you know, it is interesting saying that you sometimes have to be in a certain mood for a specific artists or a specific song and to, to relate it back to sort of, a, you know, like a spell book, mm. you have different spells for different things. You know, you have a love spell, you have a cleansing spell, you have, and not everything works for everyone, but it's like a song book, right? Like, mm. and that, that's one of my concepts. If you're listening to this and you steal this, I'm going to know, <laughs> <laughs> but that's always been one of my concepts for an album or, or an EP. I always wanted to name something grimoire mm. because I always felt like songs were a spell book and you can flip to different spells or different songs for whatever mm. you need it for, you know, mm. and that's what they're there for. Corvix, I love that. I feel like we're getting a sneaky peek into what's coming in the future there. I quite like that. <laughs> um but yeah no i totally love that man that idea i always love a concept album as well i think that's really interesting when it's you know it's, it's about something or it's constructed in a certain way for a reason i always find that really interesting so yeah hmm i like that little sneak into the future there i like that i think, <laughs> I think that's why for so long i kind of have i kind of steered away not steered away but i haven't pursued originals as much as covers because I'm the same way. I love a concept. I love a concept album. I want, when I put something out, I don't want it to be a throwaway. Mm. I want it to be a part of a larger universe. And I think I've been waiting for so long to do it right. Yeah. And I, I feel like I'm at the point in my career now where I know exactly who I am. I know what I want to say. And um, I just need a little bit more money. <laughs> <laughs> But I would love to finally dive into that world and create a concept album because that's what I would want to do. Yeah, man. I mean, you've got that now. That's your goal. Do you know what I mean? So that's what you're going to work towards and super pumped for where that's going to turn, like when that's going to happen and how that's going to turn out. I cannot wait. And I'm sure, you know, you're dead excited to get there as well. So that'll be incredible yeah. to see when that lands. So yeah, super pumped for that, man. So we've kind of talked a little bit, Corbix, about the music industry. And I want to ask you about this personally, because I think this is different for every artist. So the music industry itself, it can be a blessing and a burden, right? You know, you can have like trials and tribulations, which are unique to that industry. So, I mean, let's just start with some of like the highlights of your career so far. What's been like some of the big moments where you think, wow, like that landed, like that kicked ass. Um, I've had a lot, to be honest. I'm very fortunate to have had a lot of the experience that I've that I've had thus far. Even, even something as small as the artists that I've covered 
acknowledging mm. my cover. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had the likes of people like Chris Daughtry, who I grew up watching on the American Idol stage. I grew up watching him and I loved Chris. Yeah. And when he's, he retweeted my Waiting for Superman cover, um, BB Rexta was another one who retweeted one of the covers that I did of hers. Uh, and most recently, Maria Brink of In This Moment, who is one of my dream collabs. <laughs> the, the fact that, that some of these people have heard my voice and know who I am, uh, that's always such a highlight to me. Um, to have done what I've done on YouTube and to have like connected with so many genuine souls uh, is also such a highlight to me. And I'm grateful for that every, every single day because without, without people listening, I mean, I would probably still be singing to be honest, because it's something that I can't, I can't not do, yeah. but I need the people there to listen and, and, I'm forever grateful to that. That's one of the highlights. But I have to say, um, one of my favorite things that I've done that I'm most proud of, I built the Iron Throne for my Seven Devils cover, which was a Game of Thrones themed cover. And uh, I built it from scratch. We, we got a lawn chair. Mm. It was this little rinky-dink plastic lawn chair. And <laughs> I asked my dad, I said, hey, dad, my dad was a, a contractor his whole life. He knows how to build anything mm. and i said i need to build this throne i need to recreate it this needs to be one of my most epic visuals yet like i need I, we need to do this the right way so my dad was like all right let's do it uh we went to home depot it was actually you know it was funny because it, it became a bonding experience my dad and i were outside in february <laughs> in in new york uh literally it was freezing and we mm. were just making own. And um, it came out better than I expected. Mm -hmm. um, everything visually aligned, like down to obviously the visuals, um, the crew, the the videographer, um, everyone that was involved, everyone that that was an actor in it, um, all of the props that were involved, the lighting, everything, the venue. The song, everything, the stars just aligned. And I remember it was the first time I took a moment on, on set on one of my music videos. I took a moment to look at everything because I was like, I need to take a snapshot of this. Yeah, I need to remember this because this really came, like what I saw in my head came to life, like mm. right there. Um, and then another, another major accomplishment, which I haven't shared with anyone yet, um, but I'm sharing here for the first time Ooh. with Adam. Um, so this year, I uh, I was like I said before, I hinted towards I was I was in talks with a show, and it was America's Got Talent, and it was it was funny because for a long time I rejected auditioning for these shows. I I felt I was like it's not for me. Like I don't think people are going to get me. I don't think that that that's for me. Like that's not my thing. Yeah, and. Um, I had a producer who, who's a really sweet guy who reached out to me and he said, please just give it a shot. Just do it. Just mm -hmm. audition, just send in a tape. That's all you need to do. And it was, you know, it was at a really tough time in my life. I was in between moving and I had just put my dog to sleep and I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to try. Um, it was actually in before I put my dog to sleep and I'll, I'll get to that, but I sent in back and forth. We did a, a few rounds. I sent in a few songs. They reviewed everything and they were like, 
we're going to get back to you. We'll, we'll, we'll let you know. We think everything you sent in so far is great. I was like, okay, cool. And at the time I was so stressed out and sort of down on life and, and just feeling like I was taking hit after hit after hit mm. that I was like, okay, I, I surrender. Like this is up to the universe. Now, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. So I remember the night before we put my dog Gizmo to sleep, I got the call from the producer and he said, we're, we want to fly you out. We're going to, we're going to fly you out to LA. You're going to audition for the judges. So that happened and I, I couldn't tell anyone. I, 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 you know, I, I wasn't able to say anything, but I went out in March. Um, I auditioned, I did the whole thing. I sang in front of Heidi, Heidi Klum, Howie Mandel, Sophia Vergara and Simon Cowell. Yeah. <laughs> it was wild. It was wild. And it, it's weird because I, ha I hadn't, I hadn't dealt with nerves in a long time. Mm. And and to be honest, like I wasn't even really nervous when I did shows in, in college. I just felt so in my element, but this was arguably the biggest opportunity of my lifetime. Mm -hmm. And I was slated to sing Open Arms by Journey, which I did. Um, and I actually got four yeses. I got four yeses. However, <laughs> it is a reality television show and they kept reiterating like we, you know, we do have a deliberation round where even if you did get the yeses, you might not mm. be slated for the live shows. And unfortunately that is what happened. Um, I got what? the four yeses. I got, <laughs> I got the four yeses. Um, and to be honest, I'm still so proud yeah. of what I did and to, to know that I stepped on stage and probably the biggest stage of our generation right now, yeah. arguably, uh, and to sing in front of Simon, Mm. Uh, someone who I grew up watching, you know, he was the big, scary English man on, <laughs> on television. Um, and to be honest, he wasn't, he wasn't that nice to me, uh, at first. Mm. He, I, I, I just knew, I knew Simon wasn't really going to be a fan of my look. I just feel like Simon's not a fan of like alternative. Mm. Um, but after I sang, he was like, you have an incredible voice. And he gave me the yes, even though he didn't like what I was wearing, but it's all good. <laughs> um, Heidi, Heidi Klum gave me a standing ovation. Wow. Uh, it was really amazing. And it was, you know, although I wasn't slated for the live shows and I, I, I couldn't appear on this season of it, um, for whatever reason, I accepted it. And mm. I'm like, you know what? I know I did my best. I know I went there and I know I got the yeses. So for whatever reason, they didn't decide to put me on. It could have been you know, maybe they're trying to push a certain storyline. Maybe I didn't fit that storyline. Maybe I didn't fit the season. Mm. Um, but I know that, you know, th those people thought I was good enough, uh, regardless of whether I got slated or not, I got the four yeses in the moment. And, you know, that was a feeling I hadn't experienced in a long time. Um, probably ever. I, I was, I felt kind of out of character. Because <laughs> I was so, I, I, I just felt so elated to have done that and to ha have stepped on a stage that big. Oh my God, Corvix. <laughs> of all the things I thought you were going to tell me, I was not expecting that. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> okay. Let's be real for 10 minutes. You would have been my golden buzzer. Let's just get that out there. I mean, why you weren't anyone's, <laughs> but that is phenomenal. You know what? I remember now, now I'm thinking about this. I remember you and I were chatting in March and you were in LA and you were in a hotel room I remember but you didn't tell me why 
you sneaky, mm-hmm. sneaky devil. <laughs> I like that. Oh my God, but what an opportunity. So I, I mean, I've got a thousand questions about that, but we've, we've got like this, this podcast will be like seven hours long. But what I will ask you is, do you know if you are going to be shown? So if your audition is going to be shown, do they tell you that or do you have no idea? They, I think the audition rounds are now complete and they're on to the live rounds. Which oh, they is are. What I would have been there for. Yeah. Right, so right, okay. I don't, I don't believe that they're going to show my audition, which is okay. unfortunate. And mm-hmm. it's a Snapchat that I sort of have in my mind and I'm going to mm-hmm. have to keep there forever. But <laughs> um, you guys are just going to have to believe me. <laughs> it happens. It was, yeah, it man. was really wild. But you know what, though, like, if you weren't shown, like, there's opportunities in the future, do you know what I mean? Like, the fact is that you've sang in front of Simon Cowell, like, one of, like, the world's biggest music producers, like, that name is known globally, right? And the fact that, you know, he heard your voice and went, yes. I mean, that's got to be huge for an artist to get, like, I mean, the fact that, you know, a yes from all four judges is phenomenal as well. But, like, you know, Simon Cowell, man, who's been on, like, talent shows for like years going back like you and I like we think back to like so many different talent shows like I think of like the x factor I think of like you know like well obviously American Idol like America's Got Talent everything he's been there man he's seen so much and the fact that he heard your voice and you know said like I mean rightfully said yes that must feel amazing for you man that's incredible absolutely incredible yeah surreal Oh man, Corvix, can't get over that. I'm buzzing for you. <laughs> so yeah, on the flip side than Corvix, I mean, that is that is a highlight and a half, and that is a story that you can tell for a long time. So obviously you're an independent artist, you know, and that will come with a lot of like, you know, as I said earlier, like trials and tribulations. So I want to ask you about like, how you basically cope with them, you know, like how you work through them. Cause you must be forever, you, you know, every, I mean, you've got a yes, you've got four yeses there, which is incredible. But I think as a performer, you have to get used to hearing no as well. And you'll have so many setbacks in your career as well. So talk me through like your process of how you deal with that and how you work through that. Well, speaking, speaking on the most recent experience, AGT, um, you know, the four yeses was incredible. And then mm. there was that kind of resounding no, the, mm unfortunately we're not going to slate you for the live shows without a reason yeah. um which which to be fair they were honest about the whole time because they are a reality a reality television show they do have a you know a storyline that they need to follow or they have you know story directors and and they have it's a huge production mm. so for whatever reason I wasn't slated. And I remember I was, I was upset, of course. And I I think anybody would be, I was upset that um, I felt like everything was sort of destined and everything sort of lined up like with my dog uh, getting the call the night before we put my dog to sleep and sort of like coming out of all of this loss. And I was like, Oh my God, my, my dreams are right in front of me. Everything Mm -hmm. that I I've wanted, everything that can take me to where I want to be is right in front of me. And I thought I really held out on hope that like, it was going to work out and to have that not work out i i had to remember what i did regardless of whether i'm going to be on somebody's television or not hmm. i did everything that i could i put my best foot forward through the hardest time in my life and i constantly have to remind myself like you've done a lot more than than you thought you were able to and I think, you know, having these mantras and 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 really being your biggest, your own biggest cheerleader without 
you know, without sounding too cocky, but you have, you have to support yourself. You have to be there for yourself psychologically, spiritually, emotionally. And I do, I, I can say that I, I take care of myself in that way. And I, um, respect myself and mm-hmm. I care about my, my career and my trajectory just as much as I care about my well being as, as just, as just a human and not, not just an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, but dealing with, with rejection, it, it comes with the territory. Yeah. Um, you know, even auditioning for shows in college and auditioning for Broadway and, and doing a lot of theatrical ventures that I've done, that really gave me thick skin as well. Mm. Um, and that's not to say that you have to be a robot and you can't, you can't feel and you can't be upset. That shows that you care. Yeah. Um, if you didn't care and if it didn't affect you, then like, why are you doing it? Exactly. You know? So it's, it's okay to feel that way, but don't get stuck in it. Mm-hmm. Move forward. Know that when, you know, when one door closes, you just have to kick another fucking door down. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. And I, I know that regardless of whether EGT worked out or not, I knew that that was one door and mm-hmm. that there is a whole hallway full of yeah. doors mm. that, that are ready to open. And I, I know that they're mine. Yeah. You know? So right, Corbett. So I couldn't have put it better myself, you know, kick that fucking door down. But um, I think as well, it's interesting as, you know, I'm, I, I want to say performers, but as human beings, you know, like when we go through any kind of, you know, tough time in our lives where, you know, you had the unfortunate loss of like your family dog and, you know, we have these times when like our energy is like in such like a low place. And I don't mean low as in like your energy levels are low. I just mean in terms of like, you know, the depth of like what's going on in terms of like, you know, you feel low, but that's still energy, you know? And I mean, you talk about like, you look at, I mean, for an example, like, you know, Adele went through this horrendous breakup, but wrote one of the most, you know, well-known albums and she used that energy and put it into work. It's exactly that, you know, where, I remember like when I was, you know, when I was younger and I was still in the closet and going through depression with that. And I used to do a lot of writing for like theater back then. Some of my best writing came from that moment. So I was writing like a lot of, I wrote, so when I did my dissertation a long time ago for my master's degree, I wrote a play alongside that. And a lot of it was about pain of like characters going through pain. And I don't think I would have been able to written it as well as what I could, you know, write it now because I was feeling that, you know, so I was using that energy and like using it in a productive way. So I think yeah you're right like for all that you know we go through these tough times but I think you know you've got a choice there and it is almost like you can just stay there or you can kind of keep you know pick yourself back up and push yourself and use that energy in some way to motivate yourself to push you into another direction and take those opportunities that come along so I think yeah that's really integral and really important what you've said then it makes complete sense well, thank you. Thank you for sharing your experience as well. I, I think what you said is really important. I, I kind of, in my humble opinion, I think that the best art comes from pain. Mm-hmm. I think that the best songs are written from heartbreak. And, you know, I've always said, I'm like, my covers that are fun, don't get me wrong, like the, <laughs> the ones that, that, are, that are dark and the ones that I love to sing because they're fun. And, and it, takes, it takes a little bit of that that foot off the accelerator on the, on the emotional side of things. Mm. It's nice to have those breaks, but I will say my best performing covers are the ones that are emotional. They're the ones that are about heartbreak. They're the ones that are about loss. They're the ones about discovering yourself or losing yourself, or those are the ones that have performed the best. And I think, 
you know, it's one plus one equals two. Yeah. I think where I think everyone wants something to connect to. I think humans were a pack animal. And I think that we need that connection. We need to feel connected to something. Mm. I couldn't agree more, Kovics. Yeah, like it is. It's that connection. That's what draws us to it. I mean, again, to go back to, you know, like I said, the Adele album, like, you know, people connect to that because people have been through heartbreak, you know, so when they hear that, they relate to it straight away. Probably the same with you as well. When you're talking about like your videos, like some of the videos with the biggest hits are the songs that people recognize and love because they relate to it in a certain way. And I think, you know, as artists, that's what you do, right? You know, you, you put yourself out there in terms of vulnerability, you write something which you felt and when people latch onto that and connect to that, that generates that popularity straight away because people ride on that with you straight away. They understand that journey and they get it and they come back to it as well quite often because it's been a big part of their lives, right? right? And obviously a big part of your life as well, which hence why you've written about it, hence why you've chosen to perform that particular song. So yeah, it's that relatability. And again, you know, we as, you know, as humans, we are emotional beings. You know, we we ride on that emotion. We, we are, you know, we have those emotional memories as well, where we go back to those points in our lives and we remember how we felt then. And it's weird to kind of, that music and performance can take us back to those moments in ways that other, other forms can't, right? Right. And it's been, it's been said, you know, over and over and over again, but it's been said because it's true. But I think that when you're going through something like emotional turmoil, sometimes you feel like you're the only person in the world going through it. And mm-hmm. I remember, I remember when I, it, it's funny because my immortal was, you know, I, I know I keep bringing that up, but it, it's because it's such a cornerstone of my YouTube career. Uh, when I sang that song, I was heartbroken. I had just gone through my first like major breakup. Mm. um right after college and i didn't care i didn't care about oh let me sing this song because it's popular right now and it might get a lot of views um i didn't have i didn't have any subscribers i didn't know what the hell i was doing Mm. i picked the song because i needed to sing it i needed to let it out i needed to exercise whatever fucking demons were you know clinging to my back and that cover blew up because so many people related to it Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously the song is gorgeous. Amy Lee yeah. is a goddess. Mm-hmm. Evanescence is a, is a, you know, they're an iconic band and I'm sure that has a lot to do with it, but I don't think that's the main reason. I think it's because it is so universal and so relatable. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, singing that song. I thought I was the only person in the world feeling like that. Mm-hmm. And then to have that video is now upwards of it's nearly 2 million views. Yeah. Um, which is wild. Yeah, it's my first reaction video as well to Covix. But um, I yeah, you know what? I completely agree with that. And My Immortal, like that song is timeless. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those songs that in 20 years time, it'll still be as incredibly successful as what it is. It's just timeless. So well-written. It's just a well-written piece of music. It's incredible. Even like some of my, some of my friends, I remember in college, like when that album came out, like the Fallen album came out. And like some of my friends in college who were like big, like heavy metal, like death metal fans. And like, I was like, they, these guys will not be listening to Evanescence. And then they were talking about My Immortal. And I was like, are you talking about the song I think you're talking about? And not to say that, you know, heavy metal guys can't listen to that. But it was just nice that one of them said to me, it's just a song that you can feel. And that's, that is it. That, that's all that needed to be said. That's Period. it. 
totally makes sense. Um, I love that there's two versions on the album as well. And my favorite uh, version is actually when the, the band version, when the band come in later on. I just love that drum beat. And then when it all picks up towards the end, oh, love that. See, that's the only thing that's the only thing that I regret about my cover. I wish we would have found a track with, with that backing because, oh, I love, I love, who knows? Maybe I'll do like an anniversary cover. I was just going to say. I'll do like uh, 10 years later or something. Do it, man. Re-record it. That'll be incredible. But yeah, oh, I love that. Love that so much. So, Corvix, I mean, we've talked a lot about, you know, like you in terms of like, you know, your identity and how you came to be Corvix that you are today, which is a fantastic journey, by the way. I love that. And I love that. I'm kind of getting to know you a lot more about that. I really do love that. But tell me about, like, what's the biggest thing you would say in terms of this journey that you've been on? What's been, would you say, the biggest discovery about yourself? Now, that could be in terms of like your capabilities or like you've learned something about yourself that you never realized that you would learn. What would you say would be the biggest thing that you thought, you know, wow, that that really stands out for me in terms of me learning about myself? I would say the biggest thing is kill your ego mm. because ego is it, it could be a good thing. Uh Obviously, you need to. Everyone has an ego, but yeah. you got to keep it in check. Yeah. Um, I I realized that as a Aquarius, as an Aries Moon, uh, as a as a Cancer Rising, <laughs> I think my 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 air. I'm very into astrology, but my I feel like my Aries and my Aquarius. They're so Aquarius and, and Aries are go getters, right? But they're also they want to be the best at everything, mm. and I recently discovered, I mean, I always knew I was a competitive person, but I realized that I needed to keep that in check and that comparison to anyone is the death of you. You can't, you can't compare yourself to anyone, mm. maybe yourself. Um, but even then you're constantly evolving and you're constantly changing. And if you're going to compare yourself, do it so that you can analyze and say like, okay, I want to take this with me. And I don't want to take that part with me. Yeah. And one of the things that, you know, I can be brutally honest with myself about is that I was comparing myself to a lot of people. And I was, um, there were times where I felt like, man, I deserve that. Why didn't I get that opportunity? Or I work so hard. Why, you know, why isn't, why isn't that happening to me? And, because I'm friends with a lot of musicians, it's always in your face, you know, mm. and, and, and it always seems like everyone's doing really well. Mm. And I recently came to terms with the fact that there was a part of me that I didn't like. And there was a part of me that was really ugly in comparing myself to other people and other people's success. And it was really only doing damage to me. Mm. It was only making me feel like I need to keep up and I need to I need to do this and I need to do that. And the funny thing is, although I felt like that, I've never let it affect what I actually create when I'm mm. on set. And when I'm in the studio, all of that goes away, which is why I think I need to do what I do. Um, but when you're scrolling on your phone or you're on your computer or whatever, and you're seeing everyone's highlights, because <laughs> no one's, no one's going to, no one's going to post you know, the deep, dark shit, the skeletons in the closet. No one's going to post what's going on. No. Um, you think that, well, what am I doing wrong? Mm. And so I really like, I really have come to terms with myself mm -hmm. and knowing that what I bring to the table, no matter, no matter who has more followers than me, no matter who's reaching goals before I'm reaching them, 
what I bring to the table, nobody else can bring to the table. What they bring to the table, I can't bring to the table. Everyone has their own thing and it's stupid to try to squeeze yourself in their chair at the table when you have your mm-hmm. own chair. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if that's a stupid analogy, but it, <laughs> just I like that analogy. They'll try to squeeze it on the chair. I like that. So, I mean, that, that's the, that's the biggest thing for me is I, I also realized that when I do focus on myself, I'm capable of so much more than I thought I was, mm. Like, don't ever tell yourself that you can't do something. You, yeah. you absolutely can. Mm. You absolutely can. I've done things that I never even dreamed of. Mm. Um, I, I've taught myself how to edit. I've taught myself how to how to shoot videos. Because well, when I started YouTube, I didn't I didn't know how to do any of that. Um, I had you know I collaborated and and don't get me wrong, I've had the pleasure of working with some amazing people, um, and still do. Like I don't. There are projects and there are projects coming up that um, I'm going to be collaborating with people um, because I can't I can't always be behind the camera and in front of it. Sometimes mm. I need help, um, <laughs> and that that's important as well. Yeah. So to learn how to ask for help, you know what mm-hmm. I would say, I put that above ego Yeah. Um, is learning how to surrender and say, it's okay that I don't know how to do everything. It's okay that I can't do everything um, because I always want to. Mm. And I've accepted that it's okay that I don't. Yeah. God, that's so, so right. Kovics. Like, I mean, there's a few things I'll pick up on what you said there. I mean, one of the big things is, you know, you're saying there like, ask for help when you need it. And that, that extends outside of performing, you know, like there's a big push, like a lot recently, probably in the last five years, there's been a big push for mental health. Right. And, you know, reach out and ask help when you need it. It's not about, you know, showing a side of weakness or anything like that, or like, how will my ego be affected? Like swallow the pride, swallow the ego, ask for help because people will be there who want to help you. You know, like if you need that help, they'll get you back on the path. And there's no shame in asking for that. And again, like to link that back to performing, you know, it's all about that. Like put that ego to one side, focus on by asking for that help, how amazing the thing will be that you create together. That's what's important, that end product, rather than the fact that you even asked for the help, that will be gone in like 10 seconds. The product that you make at the end because you asked for that help is what is important. And as well, to pick up on the comparison point that you made there earlier, again, that is so, so right and so correct. And like I talked about this a little bit earlier on another podcast that I did, but, you know, we get a lot of like, you know, reality TV shows where people, you know, they watch that and they think, oh, you know, like, I'm not like that person. I wish I was like that. I wish I just stop, like stop immediately. And, you know, a lot, you see a lot of people subscribe on Instagram and everything and like watch these kind of what they, as you said, perfect lives. And they think, oh, you know, I don't have that life. I don't have that. I don't look like that. And my body isn't the same as them. And just stop. By doing that, for me, it's it's focusing energy on something that doesn't matter. What matters is, you know, the beauty that you have inside of you, the individuality that you have, that is something that nobody else can touch. And if you focus on that right. and bettering yourself and making you the best version of yourself, that for me is incredible. And that's kind of why I do like this podcast, you know, like I want to get to know, as I said, the best version of you. I want to get to know about you. I want to talk about you. I'm not interested in like, and this isn't me like kind of comparing my life to yours or anything like that. I just get fascinated by that. It's like that magic, that spark inside of somebody that makes them who they are. And that for me is so individual for everybody. And that's the pleasure of doing this podcast is that I see different parts of that with every single person. And that's the magic kind of to bring back that metaphor, but it really is. It's like the magic in people to get to see that. So I completely agree with you there, Corvix, 100%. It's such a powerful message. 
Absolutely. All right, Kovic. So this section of the podcast is what, what I call Geek Out with the Guest. So I have chosen five of my favorite videos of yours. Now, you don't know. And I asked you if you wanted to know, and you don't know which ones I've picked. So I didn't. You know, all surprise. right. Bit of a surprise. So I'm just going to go through. And this is not by any means any order. Like, number one, this is my favorite. This is just five that really right. stick with me. Okay. And one of them I had to amend because you've already talked about it, so, which is completely fine. But I will kind of mention it anyway. So the first one I want to talk about, and I know that you've mentioned this one a lot, but I do want to ask you about this. So my all. Now, this is where I started with kind of my almost journey, kind of getting to know you as a performer, right? So I remember I watched My Immortal. And I mean, again, we spoke about the song there. I love it. It's an absolute classic. And then I watched you. And what I love about it is like the simplicity of it. So, and I don't mean that in the performance. I mean that in the video. So you're in like what looks like this, it looks like a big, like almost like a manor house, really, like very white. And then you've got like a really young baby Corvix. Uh, and you look so different then, by the way. It's just crazy. But it's so you, do you know what I mean? Like so recognizably you still. But yeah, tell me about that music video. So obviously I know that it came from a place of like, you know, the performance and a lot of deep pain is obviously you shared obviously earlier on there. Tell me about the music video and the, the recording process behind that. Sure. Yeah. My Immortal was, um, it was kind of, it was a labor of love because yeah. I didn't have any, um, I didn't have any resources at the time. I didn't mm -hmm. know any professional videographers. I didn't have the budget. Mm -hmm. um, my best friend at the time, her name was Deborah. She had just graduated from the School of Visual Arts in the city. So she was like, hey, I, I know how to work a camera. Let's do something. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay. Um, and, and even back then for that cover, I was like, I, I need something. I need something that feels empty. I need something that's mm -hmm. like a shell. I need mm -hmm. something that feels like a, a memory. I need something that feels like a ghost. Yeah. And at the time, my, my aunt, um, she still lives there, I believe. Uh, she lived in this gorgeous house that she was in the middle of renovating. So oh, everything right. looked sort of bare, but it was still like beautiful, but everything was like stripped. There was no furniture. There was nothing. It was just like everything was still in the process of being built. And I was like, this is perfect. Mm. And she said, we could film there. I got my friend Deborah, and we went there sang the song a few times in the house, uh, <laughs> cried, cried a bit. And, um, that, that was that process. It was, it was just me, my friend, her camera. Mm. And then she, she edited it on her, on her computer mm. and I uploaded it to YouTube. There we go, man. Here we are. There was no, there was no huge fancy production. There was nothing fussy about it. It was just my aunt's house, my best friend and me. That yeah. was it. Love that. You know what? Sometimes you don't need that. Sometimes you don't need that big production. You know, like the song speaks for itself and it really does. And it kind of reflects exactly that setting. And so, yeah, I love that. I remember watching that as well. It's weird to go back and watch that compared to some other music videos. And you think, wow, like what they did there was just like what they had, as you say, like, you know, just a bare house. And then, you, you know, you've got other in amazing videos as well where the production value is obviously a lot higher but still that stands out for me i mean one because it was the start of my journey of getting to know Colvix, but two it's just it's beautiful in its simplicity and it relates to the song so well so yeah really love my amor Thank you. Thank all you. right so this next one's a more recent one and this is a one with mr joey dean so talk to me about the video process and recording of anywhere away from here oh <laughs> Absolutely one of my favorite uh, processes, uh, definitely one of my favorite covers. Same. And to be able to sing with 
you know, the love of my life and, yeah. and to, to be able to share a stage with him, so to speak, mm. is incredible. And we, we heard this song by uh, Rag and Bone Man and Pink and Pink is obviously one of my dream collabs as well. I grew up listening to her. I met her as well. Oh, wow. um, I've been to th three of her shows. She, I mean, Pink is like probably my biggest female inspiration. Mm. So when we heard it, it, it felt like a breath of fresh air because mm -hmm. I feel like I haven't heard a contemporary song written like that. Mm -hmm. And both of their voices, so powerful, so, so raw. And we watched the video and Joey and I just, we kind of looked at each other and we were like, we got to do this. <laughs> um, because we knew the chemistry on it would be incredible. Mm -hmm. And so we, um, we actually worked with, we took a step outside of my world and we worked with Joey's bandmate and producer, Nico Vaud. Oh, wow. uh, and it was, yeah. And it was, it was, it was really awesome because it was a step outside of what I was used to. And I needed that a little bit. I needed to mm. shake things up and, and, um, I love to work with new people, mm. you know? And so we, we went to Nick's house. We, we, he has a studio there and we created the track together from scratch. Um, and Joey works very similarly to the way I work in a sense where like, it needs to feel right. Mm. It needs to, it needs to express like, it's one of those things where it's like, when you hear it, you know, yeah, yeah. and that's how we, that's how we sort of go about production. It's like, you just need to close your eyes and just listen. And you're like that one, that's, that's the pad. That's the synth. That's the drum yeah. kit. Like, or you know, that's, that's the guitar riff, whatever it is. And so we recorded it. It was super, super chill, super easy. Um, even when we left at like, we just heard the reference. It wasn't mixed. It, it was just a raw vocal. Mm -hmm. And we were like, this is special. Yeah. Um, and then for the video, we filmed it very close to Joey's house. I, I said, I think it just needs to be, it needs to feel hopeful. There mm. needs to be there needs to be this beauty and this openness. I want it to feel like we both agreed that like it should feel like a dream in certain parts and other parts, it should feel very um, retrospective and it should feel like you're also going in inward. And it's almost like this um, internal dialogue that you're speaking aloud. Mm. Um, and that's what I wanted it to feel like. And that's why the train tracks, I think were such a good representation of that because I think when, you know, people always say like, I lost my train of thought because yeah. your thoughts really could just keep going and going and going. And it's, it's almost a road to nowhere sometimes and, mm -hmm. or anywhere. And that's why I felt like the, the juxtaposition of like this huge open field, which really feels endless. And like, there's like limitless potential and possibilities. And then this like road of like, when, when am I going to stop walking? Like, mm -hmm. are these thoughts going to keep running rampant? Mm -hmm. And that, video that day was beautiful the weather was, it was just like one of those things where like the stars aligned you yeah. know and it, it it was real and it was really one of the easiest videos that we shot too mm. yeah it's it's stunning like it's beautiful the color palette is incredible on that video um so light so beautiful and as you say like the weather is just perfect um was it all shot in just one day it was shot in one day yep yeah. a few wow. hours a few hours yeah, say, wow yeah i would say Four, four hours maybe in total. Wow. We went to the train tracks and then we drove like, I would say 10 minutes and we found mm. this beautiful open field right, you know, right down the block from Joey's house. Actually, he lives in the Hudson Valley in New York and it's, it's pretty gorgeous up here. So it's mm. not, uh, 
beautiful like scenic things are not scarce yeah you know, pretty oh, easy to find. incredible i love that video and like the use of like slow-mo and then when you see like one of you standing there and then disappear and just oh like the shot of like the feet together and just it's just magic it works so so well and i always think of like that last image as well when you're both looking at the sun and the cameras behind you just that it's just it's perfection honestly it's just a knockout performance so i love that video thank you yeah we're really proud of it you should be you should damn well be um <laughs> so this next video i remember watching this and being like oh my God, this is like an artistic installation. And it like blew my mind for like how you were able to shoot this. It just looks amazing. Plus obviously your performance in it is phenomenal. So this is the cover of Seals, Kiss from a Rose. Oh, <laughs> Kiss from a Rose was recorded during the pandemic. Wow. Um, I actually, yeah, we had to figure out how to, because we, I couldn't go to my studio. Mm. And I didn't have a setup at home. I didn't have an interface. I had a mic. I had, you know, I had the equipment, but I didn't have like a booth. I didn't have anything. Mm. So my producer said, I, you know, I figured out how we can do remote sessions. Mm. Uh, so let's, let's do a production session. And I said, okay. And um, I remember at the time uh, in this moment, uh, new album actually came out. It was called mother. And I was just so inspired because I, I already feel like our aesthetic and our productions are kind of similar, only they're, you know, they're more in a, a metal lens than yeah. I am. I'm obviously more in like a, a pop rock sort of lens. Mm -hmm. um, but our production sit in a similar place where it's sort of this cinematic, uh, huge production. And I was like, I want to I want to start going full throttle with this. And I said, what can I do? What's a song that I've always wanted? And I have a list of songs that I've always wanted to cover. And I, I go through them and I knock them off. I tried to. <laughs> and Kiss from a Rose has always been on there. Kiss from a Rose mm. by Seal was always one of my favorite songs growing up, especially I was a huge Batman fan. I was a huge fan of the Batman movies. Um, and I remember that song was enormous. I mean, yeah. that song was, it was one of the biggest songs in the 90s. Yeah. And so I said, we're going to do it. So we, we created the production. It was everything I wanted it to be because it was just different enough, but still for, to me felt like me. Yeah. And, but still paid, you know, homage to the original. Yeah. So we recorded it. I recorded it in my little rinky dink. Like I had, I had two like closet doors open and I had to put a blanket over it. So it would stifle the sound. And like, that's how we recorded the vocals from home. I was, I was wow. home and my producer was at his house. Um, and then for the video, obviously everything was still shut down. Yep. I figured out how to turn my living room into a black abyss. I set up a black backdrop. I hung, I hung roses from the ceiling and I like, <laughs> That was all done in my living room. Um, wow. Your living room. Yep. <laughs> my old living room now. That is amazing. I kind of wish you just left it like that so people come in like, Corbett's oh, <laughs> what's happening in here? <laughs> yeah, I would, I would monopolize my house sometimes and everyone else would not be able to live, but <laughs> it's okay. Oh, I it was worth it. I love that. I mean, but I mean, something similar happened with, this isn't on my list, but connected to that the music video for mad world that was in your place as well right that was in my bedroom yeah there you go see yeah you know what? i love that why why the heck not if you can if you can get the aesthetic that you want for a music video in the comfort of your own home do it it works absolutely. so well absolutely 
Love that. Oh, man, that's incredible. Um, okay, so the next one is a much more contemporary one. Now, this one, I get a lot of people on YouTube kind of saying to me, Adam, will you react to this? And I'm like, I can't because I've already seen it. Um, so there's a few where I kind of, I told you as well, didn't I? Like, so when I first got to see your channel, I watched a couple of videos, obviously like the Linkin Park one, and then this one, and then there was another one as well, a duet, a night crawling with you and Joey. And then I was like, right, I've got to stop, like, because I need to, like, you know, do some <laughs> do some content with this stuff. Uh-huh. But this one for me is, again, it's just, it's very different from your normal aesthetic, and I think it's incredible. It's very beautiful in its own way. So this is driver's license. Yeah. Uh huh. This is a performance uh-huh. covix. <laughs> so driver's license was earlier this year. Uh, mm-hmm. It was actually right before everything. Well, it was while everything was happening with AGT, but it was right before I, I had to fly out and everything. Um, and it was right around the time like we decided we we had to put my dog to sleep. We had made the decision. We we came to terms with it. Um, and so I know as strange as, as strange as it is, um, because the song is not written about that, I'm sure. But the whole time I was thinking about my dog. And that's where, you know, those tears, I did the whole thing in my car. Wow. I did the whole video in my car because that was also, you know, I I still felt weird, although the pandemic was lifting a little bit and we felt like there was some room to maybe start booking things again. I was like, I, I still feel strange. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it safe. And, you know, as cliche as it was, sometimes I really like to be artistic and think outside the box. And then sometimes I'm like, you need to fucking stop and just (laughs) stop overthinking everything and just do 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 things that are simple sometimes people appreciate it yeah and um that song to me was just about the emotion and it was about the the i guess what i was going through internally uh i was thinking about my dog the whole time Mm. so (laughs) as strange as it is i mean that's where acting comes into play it's i wasn't acting but you use you sort of use um your personal experiences to sometimes uh, convey a message mm. it's a song about loss ultimately mm. so it, it didn't need to be about a person in no. general and, and and the cover that I did I try I did it from the male perspective so I tried to switch it up a little bit in a sense where it was the guy singing to her and in my concept of course much more macabre than hers <laughs> uh, my concept she actually died mm. driving the car which I you know I tried to convey through the editing as well um mm. but overall it was fairly simple i did it in my car and that was that all all the emotion in that video is it's hard for me to even it's hard for me to watch that i don't even watch that video too much i don't really yeah. listen to it too much but um yeah that was that was a was a hard cover to sing mm. but again it kind of comes back to that point of when we were saying about when you're in sometimes in those dark places, how you can use that energy and you can put it into something and you did there creatively and you know, and you made that emotive performance, which is, you know, you can see it there and you can even hear it in the vocal as well. Um, I think we've joked a little bit as well, like getting to the drama thing about us being drama gays, but it's Stanislavski, isn't it? You know, using that emotion and it's real emotion. You know, you're not just performing it, you are feeling it and you get right. that in that music video straight away. I need to ask you, Corbix, right. about this. Did you alter the lyrics? In that song, I did. I did. I, I I altered it so that it would be written from the male perspective. Mm. And at the time, I thought it was a good idea, and I still do. But <laughs> yeah. uh, I realized that so many people hopped on that bandwagon, and I was like, okay, <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> good for you but, for doing something yeah. different with it. Thank you. 
Yeah, no, it's awesome, man. And again, I mean, Olivia Rodrigo is absolutely blowing up right now, isn't she? She's like one of the like the biggest artists right now, like on the scene. But yeah, like incredible to still yeah. take a really well-known song. Yeah, good for her. You know what I mean? She performs that song incredibly well, as I'm sure that you can agree. Um, but good for you for taking a really well-known song like that and even still putting your little Kovic spin on it. But um, yeah, awesome, man. Love that. And I love the simplicity of the video in terms of just inside your car, but yet the kind of, I almost want to say performance, but it's almost not. Like, it's like real. You know what I mean? Like you were just displaying raw emotion. So yeah, so props to you for doing that, man. Honestly, it takes a lot of guts to do that sometimes. All right. So the last one, we've talked about this a lot. So I am going to mention it, but I will actually mention another one, which has come to my mind. It was between these two. So first of all, I just need to say like props and credit and everything for recording this masterpiece of the music video for Seven Devils. I mean, when I watched that, <laughs> I remember just sitting there and I was like, I, like literally mouth agape. And it was actually Mr. Joey Dean who suggested that I watch that one and uh, comment on it because um, I hadn't gotten to it. And it was a Florence and Machine song that actually kind of passed me by. So um, it was one that I kind of, I think I saw the still and I was like, mm, that's very Game of Thrones. And then Joey was like, Adam, like, get on that immediately so I was like oh, okay whatever and then when I watched it, I was literally like holy sweet Jesus like everything <laughs> in this is phenomenal I mean you as the three-eyed raven we've got like Khaleesi in there we've got a Jon Snow in there we've got a sword in there we've got the throne which you described how that was made you know we've got like the symbolism of like obviously they do like the big circle with like the body parts on the ground and obviously I think you do it with bones but Corvix, it is a piece of art. It's a masterpiece, honestly. Like, Thank you. I take all of my hats off to you for making that, man. <laughs> if there's ever a music video I suggest anyone go and watch first, watch that. It is genius. Seriously. Thank you. Thank you. That that video, and I know I said this term before, but it really was a labor of love between, yeah. I mean, all, all parts of my life. It was like, mm. I asked my dad, to, to help me to bring this throne to life, to bring this mm. vision to life. And then I, you know, I reached out to my actor friends from college uh, who were like, yeah, absolutely we'll be in it. Mm. Uh, and then, I, you know, obviously Joey's always my right hand man and he's always helping me not, you know, put my head through a wall when I'm creating <laughs> these visuals. Um, and then to team up with, I mean, one of one of my favorite directors and one of my favorite videographers that I've worked with, his name is Alex of Black Wolf Imaging. Mm. Uh, he's he's incredible, and he really just has an eye for knowing how to capture something. Mm. Uh, and so I I know I never need to worry when I work with Alex. Uh, and when when we create things together, I mean, to be honest, uh, I'm going to let you guys in on a little thing. I had a meeting with him this week. Uh, because we are teaming up again for something very special. And every we, we, we were just talking about Seven Devils and we were talking about Planet Nine, which is one of my originals, another video that we had done together, which I don't, mm. I don't know if you've seen, Adam. But not yet, not yet. That was, an, that was another video we've done together. And we both agreed, we were like, every time we work together, it's our best work. Right. And so I'm super excited to uh, collab with him again. But The Seven Devils was our first collaboration ever. And it was like, like I said, everything, Florence and the Machine, one of my favorite artists, Seven Devils, one of my favorite songs from her. And mm. then one of my favorite shows of all time. And 
being able to do what I love on top of it, to sing and perform and act and build props. And <laughs> it was just, it was everything. It was everything. It is. It's all out on the table in that video. It's just, oh, piece of And that, that storyline, that was before <laughs> the show ended. I told you this. I, I played the Three-Eyed Raven, ob- obviously appropriate for Corvix, which mm-hmm. also has its roots in the Raven. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> I was sort of trying to be the conduit to say like, this is what's good. I was being the, the, the visual uh, to, to see the world sort of ended by ice and then the yeah. world in flame. And it was supposed to be like these two worlds colliding and me speaking to Daenerys and then me speaking to Jon Snow and sort of showing them like, this is the future. If, you know, this is what, this is, what is to happen. Um, and then the show ends and I don't want to, I don't want to do any spoilers, but we know how the show ends. And it was mm-hmm. almost like a premonitory. I was like, holy shit. We, <laughs> we didn't even mean to do that. It was crazy. I remember when you messaged me about that and I was like, I was like, hold on, stop everything. He's right. Like he actually, he guessed that <laughs> Jesus Corvix. How, how did you know that like, you and like George R. Martin are like that? <laughs> but <laughs> Love it. Okay, so as a bonus one, I want to ask you about this one. Because I, again, like in a similar vein, it's very artistically beautiful. And I think it's like, it's the synergy of the song, you know, in terms of like what it's about, but also where it, where the song belongs in terms of like where you've heard it from. So this is obviously the night we met. You know, it's hard. It's hard with, with the Joey Dean collaborations because they're all so special to me. They're yeah. all, it's like, it's like picking a favorite child and I can't, <laughs> um, but the night we met is, I would say of the four songs we've covered, it's probably my favorite song of the four. Oh, wow. I don't know if it's my, I don't know if it's my favorite cover, but it's my favorite song. Okay. Um, because I can't pick, but the night we met is, um, it's very special. Uh, I remember when I first heard it hearing 13, I, I was watching 13 reasons why. And I was yeah. like, what is this song? Mm. Like, and it's very rare that I like freeze like that. And I like needed to find out who sung it, what song it was. Uh, and I remember I was like, one day I got to cover that. I don't know how, I don't know mm. with who, I don't know if I'm good. I, I didn't know when it was going to happen, but I was like, I need to sing that song. Cause mm. it is to me, it's one of the most gorgeous songs ever written. Mm. Truly. I think Lord Huron is a genius just for writing that song yeah. I, I listened to some of his other work as well and i think he's i think he's a great artist but it's his i will always love you you know like mm-hmm. it's it's that song for him yeah. i think and i think it's gonna live on and so that that song i knew i had to record with joey you know mm-hmm. i could have i could have done it solo but i didn't want to i was like it's too special and i think that joey I mean, Joey's an incredible talent. I'm, I'm obviously very lucky to have sung beside him so many times, but just to express our relationship and share it with other people um, and to share it with each other, it, like not, not just like behind closed doors, but on set doing what we both love the most yeah. with the person that you love the most is incredible. It's an indescribable feeling. And, and we wanted to recreate our proms. Like that was our, you know, we were obviously inspired by 13 reasons why, because clay and Hannah have that scene where they dance at, yeah. in the, at the high school dance. And Joey, Joey and I weren't able to have that experience because we were, I was in the closet and Joey didn't go to prom. Um, 
with with a female. He didn't go to prom with with a male either. It was just, and we both felt like we kind of missed out mm. on on our prom. Like one of the most, you know, it's supposed to be one of the most memorable times in your life. And we were like, let's reclaim it. Like this is the perfect song. Let's let's do it. And so we dressed the set as if it was our prom and mm. what we would have done if we had met mm. then. Yeah. And we sort of like that was our reclamation to prom. And I thought it was I thought it was such a cute idea. And it was one of my favorite things to shoot. It the song is gorgeous. It's it was just another moment where I was like, this is this is why I do what I do. Yeah. You know? One hundred percent. Like you're right. Like it's incredible. Like I absolutely love that. The fact that you got to recreate that moment that you kind of, you know, felt like you didn't really have like have you weren't able to have I mean prom you know it, it does have very much a straight narrative doesn't it like the guy asked the girl and like you get that like all the time in popular media I mean it's right. very much changing now I will say with like contemporary times which is amazing yeah. to see and you know fantastic right. for people like you know younger LGBT like QIA people who are able to do that that's incredible but um yeah I just think yeah it's incredible that you took that moment of like time and you just thought yep yeah, you know what didn't get to have it that time. We're going to bloody well have it this time. We're going to do it the way that we want to do it. And again, like it's beautiful, like the color palette in that. And even just like, you know, the way that you kind of, you fade in and fade out in moments. It's just stunning. It's really well thought. And even just the moments of like you two together and just like, yeah, just the energy of you two together in that video was incredible. So yeah, it's just, it's fantastic. Thank you. you. Yeah, we get to, what's even cooler about because a lot of people remember their proms and obviously have pictures and, and videos and stuff, but we got to create something that we're proud of. We got to create something. We, we basically encapsulated a piece of time and we put it out there and it's, it's eternal now. I think mm. that's why music is so powerful. It's, it's going to live on forever. Yeah. And, um, that video was made with one of my best friends. Her name is Gab Lutfi, and she's one of the first videographers I've ever worked with. That's how we became friends. And she's worked on, there wouldn't be a Corvix if Gab wasn't a part of it. So nice. um, she actually filmed the Waiting for Superman video. She filmed a lot of my videos, but that was the first video we ever worked on together. And Chris Daughtry freaking retweeted it. So we were like, <laughs> all right, this is a duo that works. Mm. So we asked Gab to get in on it. And um, she was like, I'm absolutely down. And she edited that video. She shot it. It was a really uh, amazing. Wow. So, what a talent. What a talent, man. Yeah, she's so, incredible. So, yeah, Kovic. So let's talk about you, the future. So going forward now. So obviously, everybody, if you haven't already, go and check out Kovic's YouTube channel for everything he's got going on at the moment. But however, going forward, Kovic, I want to ask about the future. So like, Obviously, you know, you said you've got a couple of originals on the channel as well, which is amazing. And I can't wait to check them out properly. Can you hint towards what's coming up next for Corvix? Do we have some more originals? Is there any kind of talk of an album? Like, what does the future look like for Corvix that you can tell us? So the meeting that I recently had with Black Wolf Mm. uh, was for an original that was actually released in 2019. Uh, and it wasn't the original that I pushed the most because I felt like Planet Nine had more universal relevance, right? And I, funny, I'm not even trying to be punny, but it, <laughs> I felt like it was more relatable. Um, the second single that year was called At the Stake, right? And it was sort of this, this song about a witch sort of being dragged out and burned at the stake. And it, it, it's really, it's, a fucking banger it's it's really like it's perfect for halloween it's it's if you're into you know 
my productions and you're into that sort of thing, uh, you're going to love it. And what I decided to do was I took it down all streaming platforms, which I had a lot of messages about, which, which <laughs> is also what kind of inspired me to re-release it. Yeah. Um, because I didn't realize how many people loved it. Mm. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to do this properly and I'm going to release it with a visual like I always do. And I need to give it the proper time and attention. Mm. And so this year is the year that I'm going to be doing that. Nice. Um, scheduled for mid-October release, possibly early October. Mm. Um, and I will be teaming up with Black Wolf Imaging, uh, who worked on the Seven Devils video and the Planet Nine video. So you know it's going to be epic. Um, and that that is what I have on the horizon for originals right now. Uh, I'm absolutely going to be hibernating a little bit to write, but mm -hmm. I do have uh, covers lined up as well. Mm -hmm. uh, some of my favorite covers that I've done, which I, I know I, I've spoken about kind of on Twitter, I think briefly, um, I kind of took a break from like thinking about what's popular, mm -hmm. which I didn't really always do, but like there is a game that you have to play a little bit with YouTube, right? You have to sometimes think about, okay, what's, what's a major song that's blowing up right now? What can I do something with that? If I can't do something with it, then I'm not going to do it. If it doesn't mm -hmm. speak to me, then I'm not going to do it. But if it is something I can do, like for example, driver's license, um, I'm, I'll put my spin on it. But this year I really said kind of fuck that. And I'm going to go back to how I started off YouTube mm. with, with singing what I want to sing. Yeah. And um, I'm revisiting Evanescence. There's a new nice. Evanescence cover coming. Um, and I'm actually uh, almost finished editing the new Florence and the Machine cover, Heavy in Your Arms. Nice. Uh, so that video is almost done and that will be coming out this Thursday, this upcoming Thursday. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, and then I have two other covers. One artist I've never covered before, um, Celine Dion. Uh, so shit. I have a Celine Dion, yeah, I have a Celine Dion cover coming out, and I also have another Tears for Fears cover coming as well. So I've been busy. Um, yeah. I know I've been a little quiet on social media, but I've been busy. Um, so I, I have those covers lined up so that I can work on original material as well. Of course. Oh my God, Corbin, she's blowing my mind now with a Celine Dion. I'm like, <laughs> which song could it be? <laughs> Got a few ideas in my mind, actually. So if it's the song I think it is, I will probably pass out. But um, <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. I need to ask about one cover in particular. And I asked you about this a while ago and you said it's on the list. Miss Avril Lavigne. Oh, 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 oh. Okay. I'm nervous. I'm nervous to cover Avril. And see, I, I do this thing where I'm like, I'm hesitant and then I'll absolutely dive into it. Mm. If I cover Avril, I'm absolutely doing them with you. Yeah. I, that's, and I'm going to cover Avril. I just haven't started production on it yet, but it's <laughs> coming. That's what I want to hear. Oh man. I've, I, you know what? I, I've still got tickets to see her like for the first time ever, but um, obviously with the pandemic, it was put back and then put back again. So um, yeah, it's still kind of pending right now with the dates. So I don't know when she's going to come back over to the UK and perform, man. But yeah, when she's, she performs that. She's a fucking vampire. She knows she doesn't eat. She's still 17. I'm like, yeah. what is happening? What, what elixir of life are you drinking? I know. And give me 12 portions <laughs> of that, please. <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, Avril is like, she's one of my favorites and I'm With You is one of my absolute favorite songs. So yeah, to hear your take on that as well is going to blow my mind. So I can't wait to hear that. Thank All you. right, Corvix. So just to wrap up here, 
just obviously this is you just to have your final say. So, I mean, do you have any type of like, you know, final words or advice that you'd like to share with us? Maybe for like anyone who has aspirations to perform, you know, likes to go out there and maybe just give performing a try or any kind of, you know, advice or any just final words that you want to leave us with. To anyone who wants to pursue performing and, and I should say needs to, mm. um, that, that is a part of my advice. If it's something that you cannot picture your life without, you need, you need to do it. It's a part of, it's a part of your every day. You need to pursue it and you need to know that you need to be okay with instability and you need to also be okay with knowing that it, you might not be okay all the time. Um, that's something that I think I was kind of naive about is that, you know, and I kind of, I tap back into that inner child a lot because that inner child can be helpful. But when I was younger, it was like, it's not, it's not a matter of if I'm going to do it. It's a matter of when I'm going to do it. Mm. And, and I was naive and I, I was like, I don't care how many people want to do this. It's mine. I'm going to do it. Um, and so, you know, when you get a little older, you realize that it is a very oversaturated industry, but if you can find successes in everything that you do, you're not going to be let down. Yes. So if you're someone that sings in the shower and your idea of success is uploading a cover to YouTube for the first time, that's the success. Like mm. pursue that. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta celebrate the small victories as well as the large, because if you're constantly looking for mega stardom, like I was, and um, you're, you're going to be upset all the time because you're going to wonder why, why can't I have that? Why, why am I not, why am I not good enough? Why, you know, and that doesn't, it doesn't mean that you're not good enough. Hmm. It just means that maybe it's not your time yet. It doesn't mean, you know, so my biggest advice is that you have to be okay with confronting yourself, confronting your ego, confronting the best parts of yourself and embracing those and confronting the worst parts of yourself because you're gonna, you're going to face them especially when you're in an industry that's so competitive and you're in an industry that's so saturated. Mm. Um, but you gotta, you gotta just remember that you're in your own lane yeah, and celebrate the small victories. That's, that's my biggest thing is like, be grateful that, that the law of attraction, it's real. Like, you know, be, be, have gratitude and things will come to you. Things will open up as long as you pair that with diligence mm. and hard work. You know, and if you have the passion for it, it's going to happen no matter what. Mm. Kovacs, I couldn't put it better myself. Like, that's incredible. Perfect advice for anyone young out there who's thinking like, or it doesn't even matter about age, anyone that wants to pursue performing. That's incredible advice. You know, it really, really is. Again, to pick up like on one small thing, you know, of, of what you've said there, because that's all really, really important to take on board is that there is sometimes a sense of immediacy, you know, like I, I'm going to do this and I want everything to happen now. You know, and it's like... <laughs> everyone falls victim to that sometime and in whatever kind of pursuit it may be in life. And it's the end of the day, it's what you said, take the small victories, you know, and use those as building blocks towards something bigger, you know, like for all that, you know, that's a small victory. You've gotten a step further than what you were yesterday. Enjoy that, you know, enjoy that, that you've, you know, you've, you've progressed in some way and allow that to build you towards something bigger, which will come, as you said, if you've got the due diligence to do that, it will happen. Just keep going, man. So right. yeah, I love that. That's really, really sound advice, Corvix. All right, Corvix, this is the point where you can just pimp out everything. Tell us, what are your socials? Where can everybody find you and your incredible work? 
Uh, I'm Corvix official. I'm pretty much everything uh, except YouTube. It's just Corvix, C-O-R-V-Y-X, not to be confused with Corey or Corvy. It's Corvix. <laughs> I get called Corvy a lot, like Corvy X, I think people think my name is, but it's at Corvix official on Instagram, on TikTok, on whatever the hell else people use. Um, and Corvix on Facebook. Do people still use Facebook? I guess. <laughs> my, my Facebook page actually just got verified, which is kind of cool. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. And then uh, Corvix, obviously Corvix on YouTube. YouTube is my main platform and I'm pretty active on Instagram as well. Nice one. Okay. So yeah, you can find obviously the podcast everywhere where you download podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we are on everything. So come and check us out and subscribe if you don't already. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter. So if you just type in into you podcast, you will see it. It'll pop up. You'll see my face. You can also follow me personally. So I am at Strawn87. You can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram. So again, if you type that in, you will see me and please give me a follow if you don't already. So Corbix, again, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule come and just chat to me and really just yeah get amongst it i really really enjoyed this one thank you so much man thank you thank you for having me it's been a pleasure all right and until next time guys take care